0: talking about nothing like Rush Limbo does in the middle of a conversation, so you think that he's talking about something when you come on, that if you want comedy, you want comedy? I got comedy for you. Actually, I wasn't really talking about any of that the other day, but I do have comedy for you that happened to me this morning, which made me have to challenge my personal relationship with my Lord and Savior Kronos with regard to being on time for you. So I was off just a moment, and it was because of the joy that I have learned to know, and now I sing a song. I call it Ode to Egg Caught between nose and lung. No, I'm not really kidding. So eating, eating a bite this morning, Well, really a bite, two bites, marvelously sliced from the last piece of carnivore, that's like egg crust with cheese pizza, that the family relished last night. The last piece that my daughter and I kind of talked about maybe eating the next day and we both knew we wanted the whole thing as I, as I carved off a tender two bites for myself, leaving the remainder for her, the good work of the morning and place it upon my mouth and swallow and move about, there's a moment when there's like a, a hiccup or a, a, a maybe a too hasty swallow. I was indeed dancing at the time to the music in my earbuds. So, ha, uh, with this being the case, and moving forward, the food... Is in between my throat and nose, caught in that little flap of skin. You know, the one that makes it so that you don't, through your mouth, breathe large particles into your lungs, but rather use your nose to breathe and then out of your mouth can perhaps exhale or run if you need to, right? That's how the science goes. And no, I'm not rapping, but it could be, couldn't it now? But let's just keep going with the story while we're at it. So it's stuck there in that little microcosmic place. And my reaction, which should have been to instead was to (sighs) like a kid with allergies might do. <laughs> what happened next was that I in fact inhaled egg. Yes, I kid you not, egg. I breathed it into my lungs. And as I stood over my kitchen counter, less than 15 minutes ago, coughing into the sink, watching, yes, three small pieces of egg fly from my mouth into the sink, I thought, "Wow, there's now egg stuck in my lung. Lodged there. Really, it will soon become an infection which I will be unable to cure. I will die and the world will think I died from COVID-19." well at least i'll preach while i go said i to myself however i think the egg is out of my lung because i ceased coughing and instead now began snorting and blowing my nose and i kid you not i will not show you how much egg came out of my nose in the last 10 minutes i i thought i ate it i really do i believed i had swallowed this food i a glutton you've got me i guess Right. So here I am gluttonous as I be. Right. Uh, with egg coming out of my nose. And, and I, I, I blew my nose and hacked one more time, like a minute before I went live and there was another piece. So there just may be a live display. I don't I don't plan it. I think I got to the point where you will not have to endure, but can only chuckle just where you are with your coffee and you should not have anything else much harder than that with you just yet in the morning but, but with your coffee maybe you're watching later yes fine with your drink that you have for casual morning chatter hmm just chuckle at the at the divine comedy that is this this life i was also thinking this morning uh, about the role playing game virtual reality conversation I had with Brian last night, and he doesn't always love my gaming stuff the way some of you don't love my gaming stuff, but for me, it's become a framework for understanding my life. And there is, I don't think I'm out on a limb on this one, game theory is a major tenant or branch, I should say, of philo- philosophical. Can I talk philosophical inquiry these days. And so to begin applying, I think, game theory to my life has had stunning results. And I hope to further this conversation with Brian later, because he's the one who taught me long ago, you just see life as a game and it changes everything. And this was been happening to me, and you know, matrix conversations notwithstanding. Yeah, as we talked about yesterday, and let me say one more time: if you listen to that conversation yesterday, and you think that I am for anything that you've ever heard under the guise of the word evolution, uh, just just uh, j- take a, take a chill pill and listen to that conversation again. What I'm talking about is trying to imagine the enemy's words as our tools so we can kind of disarm them if we need to, uh, intellectually and more importantly in marketing. Uh, but that's what that conversation is about. And I do not want to get into a tangent on that conversation. Uh, I, but what I want to talk about instead is the game That is life, right? And this morning, one of the other thoughts in this my life is the game that God designed for me to enjoy, which I broke, but which He fixed. So I'm still going to get to win. And then that happens by dying. Yes, but there's another second life game afterwards. This is all pretty awesome way to think of Christianity for me, right? And, and as I'm doing that, though, other ideas from gaming then become a part of that. And one of the ones, just this various morning, and I was just thinking about it merely as an idea, is that problems in life are mini games. Now, if you're not a gamer, this this won't make any sense. So I, I, let me give you like a little bit of technical explanation of gaming. Uh, and, and I think it'll help, though. So please bear with me. You're here because you know that this is what you get. So sip of water while we go. Mm. <clears throat> in really complex long games that take like 40 hours to play, there's a tendency to put mini games inside of it. They're not the main game. They're like distraction games. And they can be anything from a little tiny puzzle to a really long side quest in like a story, okay? So mini games are not the main game, but they make the game fun by diversion from the main game but you really want to get back to the main game. And the best games are made by having so many mini-games built into it that you don't even realize you're playing multiple games. But you just think it's one great game. Well, see, that's life, okay? And so problems are mini-games. And you really like the main game, or you should. And, and part of being a Christian is coming to believe that the main game you've been given is good. Whatever you may have thought of it before, God has said, it's good. You're forgiven. Rise up, okay? So, so that's the main game. It's good. But we still live in this cursed world with all these problems. Well, see, those are the, the mini-games. <clears throat> they're, they're what keep it interesting. Sorry if the egg... I don't know about the egg. I don't think the egg happened there. I don't think so. The mini-games keep it interesting. The distraction is how they sell you stuff. Well, the, the diversity of the course is how the discipline of God's cross is engaging your heart, mind, and soul together to learn how to apply the resurrection you believe in. Yes? That gaming reality, that is life. And that's how. That's the framework in which I'm just personally living my own orthodox Lutheranism, which I confess fully. Huh? Uh, the, if you think of the problem as the minigame, and then the game is not necessarily to fix like what just spilled, although that's part of it. So you can work some dexterity skill points in, if you like. But the real thing it's how to do it with grace and kindness the whole way. That's the mini game. It's the distraction of a challenge to your character in this here role playing thing called vocational life as we know it, created by God in six literal days. The discipline of your character. It comes by cross and trial. And according to the sword which you carry, which is that word of God, pure and true, I believe, I do believe, that kindness is a fruit of the Spirit, yes? And, and in this, well, it should never be a law. Oh, what a terrible law kindness makes. Um, let it be a fruit. Let it be a dream. Yeah? Let it be a game. Let it be a game. Mm-hmm. Grow some experience points in your kindness meter. And see how well those spells can cast. The spells of healing and encouragement. The words you speak to your friends. Yeah? Your family. So I was thinking about that while I was coughing the egg out of my face. And my lungs. And everywhere in me. Like, like, how do I be kindness in this, right? Here is my mini-game that God built for me today. I'm not kidding. This is how I got to you. But I was late. <laughs> but here is the mini-game that God built for me today. The cross and trial of having to, like, wonder about will I die from covid from an egg infection while also trying to love my family who are trying to live their Saturday morning while I get to you so I can be here with you because I want to. I don't want to be happy when I get here and not like dead <laughs> uh, or angry that the, the mini game wasn't the one I planned. As if you want to play the game you built. And I think anybody who's ever built a game knows like, like what there's a moment where you're like, okay, but it's not the same and to rejoice in the cross and trial, I'm not saying it's just easy. Don't get me wrong. It's not easy. Uh, But to rejoice in the cross and trial, it, it takes a renewing of the mind, which means the words that we do use and believe and run through our, our conviction training. Well, those things matter. And I'm just thankful that this morning, the one the Lord had brought to me was, uh, Hey, Jonathan, fill up your kindness meter. See what happens. And then he gave me <clears throat> level one, the egg cough. And, uh, and now I'm here with you. Hey, Internet. There is no rush. There is no worry. It's Saturday. And that means it's time for the Saturday morning chill. Yeah. Good morning. How you doing? Good to see you. Uh, I got a lot of stuff here in Evernote um, from uh, Frisbee The Hand to, to look at with you today, uh, which I really want to dig into. I see the comments are already going, though, and I saw something right when I started my opening monologue. Did you realize I did stand-up comedy for for a moment there? Like, I almost did? <clears throat> I'm on a tangent. I, I remember, were you there? Oh, goodness. This would be even better comedy. Someone want to write it? The parody. The parody. No. I, I am not one of those who does not like the song "Were You There When You They Crucified My Lord"? The 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 old spiritual which the LCMs has in its hymnal. I don't dislike it on principle per se. It's not the strongest theological work ever, but it has a certain moving uh, uh, tone to it that we as as German Lutheran Saxon. What is wrong with us? Could we could we could learn from this? Right, their culture is not not all worse than ours are we racist what i mean i don't know right so uh, german culture has been very standoffish right so um were you there when they crucify my lord is a a song from the south right it's a song of um of deep well, pain and regrowth and that's where the power of that song comes in as you sing about uh, being being there to see Christ die. Now again, <clears throat> the, the Lutheran with the heritage of the Enlightenment and and Paul Gerhardt in our in our heritage, um, or in our, our pedigree portfolio, that's the real word there, uh, we might look upon it and say, well, they could have done this or that better, but uh, why don't we sing it with them? That's always my question. Why don't we sing together? What happened? Why aren't we doing more? Hey, there's all sorts of ways today to be Christians and and to make better songs than in the past because we have more at our fingertips and, well, anyway. That, that would be the tangent. That would be the tangent. We're going to get into the super chat. We're going to get into me saying thank you for being here to support me as I proclaim to you the resurrection of Jesus Christ on the internet in whatever way you like to imbibe it, and as the community of mad Christians that listen to this uh, lifts you up. And reminds you that th- this is for you. Jesus is for you. The king reigns. Like, like. oh, can I do it this morning? I've been working on some Hebrew speaking in tongues for you, so I can be like those guys on TV, only you can translate it. <coughs> it's the rules. 1 Corinthians 14. If I'm going to do this, someone better be able to translate it somewhere. So if you're a Hebrew scholar, listen up. Now, I'm not very good yet at here, um, but it's, it's pretty pretty awesome. Malak, uh, Yahweh, I'm going to say Joshua. Okay, so, so Malak, Joshua, hmm? Malak, Joshua, Sabaoth, Bahar, Zion, Uvi, oh, I lost it at the end, Uvi, 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 there it is, and Jerusalem, right, ah. Oh. Ah, uh, the Lord, he reigns on Mount Zion and Jerusalem. Thank you for supporting me as I proclaim that into the aether of the chaotic whatever the 21st century has turned out to be. Generation, are we done with generations yet? And can we just have a century maybe? Hey, um, so as, as we shout together into that and dance merrily while everybody else wallows in the muck. Thank you for the support. Uh, the Kingdom 45, 445 which sounds like a pretty cool movie about Constantine's, like, kids or something. He says, I appreciate the conversation yesterday between you and Wolf Mueller. Thank you. Um, I'm sure Brian did, too. Did you get it, Brian? Did you? Did you? No, no. No, um, actually, that all ties nicely into my desire to speak very briefly to you about Proverbs. And the Proverbs about winking which I've been pondering quite a bit recently, which apparently the Proverbs, it says it several times, says that anytime someone does that to you, like you just can know they're lying. Isn't that interesting? The Bible says that. Do I believe that? Do you believe that? Do we believe that? Can we believe that? What do Lutherans do with that? I might come back to that later, but uh, this, if it ain't a joke and we're all in the know, because like what winking on YouTube is about the least actual winking thing you could ever do. (laughs) Um, but if someone winks at you, just 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 remember this. It means they're lying. The Bible says so. Isn't that fun? Good morning. Thanks for the super chats. Uh, the law of super chat is there is no law of super chat, but I always love them, and I will do my best uh, to relish whatever you say as publicly as possible. Yeehaw. Good morning. We're going to get into uh, your comments from the sidebar from last Saturday, so if we don't get to your sidebar comments outside of Super Chat this morning, that would be where you can put your hope. <clears throat> uh, uh, pray to your 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 lady, um, uh, the Queen of Heaven, Frisbee the Hand, and yes, we're not pagans, so all of that should be funny if you have a dry wit. Do you now? That is the question. Um, so after that, we'll move into your comments from RevFisk.com slash Contact and uh, and well, we have quite a bit lined up there. That's about all we need. But if we run out, I have some of this con- <laughs> madness on paper. I, I jotted down this morning. Uh, Georgia versus public records. Anybody? Right. Um. Hmm. Once upon a time, a man named Price told me a husband must preach to his wife, and I've been pondering that with joy um, and uh, warding fear with prayer. Where's your wand, Harry? Uh, Comedy, you want comedy. We did that. That turned out all right. That wasn't so bad. Um, Proverbs 10, winking. So we'll come to that stuff, as well as perhaps your personal relationship with your Lord and Savior, Kronos, after we get through all your other stuff. Good morning. It's Saturday. There is no rush. There is no worry. It's it's time to chill. At some point, there'll be music right about then. I'll take like a 30-second break. We might dance in the streets. At the, that you know, if you feel like it, where you are. I'll calmly transition things on here. So for now, we're just gonna hang out and do that. But imagine whatever whatever song would make you right now tap your foot at least. Uh, imagine that song is playing. I won't even I won't even try to interrupt it. Silence. Okay. see the music would be going there right right so it would all be awesome and uh we're gonna go like there we go we're here can i see it this way oh no don't do that how much time i got left oh no oh seven seconds that clock's ticking are we ready are we ready to go are we on You want comedy? What conversation should I start before people come back? I just did. Look at that. And we're going to be talking about the notes. (laughs) Was that interesting? What I want to know, because what I just did in that whole thing was I I pretended to actually be off air. Right. Have you ever seen that? Do you imagine what happens if it's live when they go away? It's, It's not as much about the commercial, although it is. But it's about like they want to move around a bunch of stuff. What's so amazing today is how they're doing it like live. So when you're watching sports or used to, you would have like these live showings of where the the line of scrimmage was and all all that kind of stuff. Stats in real in real time. In my day, we didn't have that stuff. We'd be happy with the score and the clock, you know. <laughs> um, so behind the scenes to make all that happen, there's a great deal of work. And when you're a YouTuber, you can either edit it all, read have no other life or job to support you and your family. Yeah. Like being a pastor, Uh, you can either edit it all or you can just do it live. The problem is making it interesting when you do it live. So I'm trying to very slowly get to that point where there's a little more behind, right? But to let you see, like there's this need for that break um, in production. And so when I talk about things like, you know, Patreon, well, it takes tools. It takes software. It takes time to learn all that kind of stuff. Right? So with that said, I hope that was interesting enough and entertaining enough. And you want comedy? Well, I'm not going to do stand-up like Brian Wolfmuller. Ah, were you there? (laughs) It all comes back. There is a bookend. It closes. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Will someone write the parody? All respect to the song. Were you there when Brian Wolfmuller did stand-up comedy? Does anybody remember? It's on video. You can find it. It was good. He's very good at it. We barely knew each other back in those days. Those were the days of the brothers of John the Steadfast. Uh, it was a different time, different realm, as it were. <clears throat> Let the reader understand. But it <laughs> uh, it was great. It was a magnificent night. I remember, more than anything else, I remember his fear, which was stunning to me. I didn't know why a man would want to do comedy. The only thing I knew about comics was that the ones I'd watched growing up had died usually by drug overdose. And so I'd, I had not been exposed to things like uh, well, James Rogan uh, talking about life as a comic and uh, James Altucher as well. Right? Uh, two guys I follow for different reasons, not comedy, who are comics uh, and um, consider comedy an art form. I've, le- I've learned things that I didn't have as an 18-year-old watching Chris Farley fall on a table. Okay? Uh, uh, so I didn't have that as a reference point even when I was in this conversation with Brian at Bethany Lutheran Church in Naperville in the hallway right outside the offices right before he's going to go into a gym full of 300 Lutherans, like white people <laughs> who don't laugh ever and are mean a lot. Uh, uh, he's going to go in there and he's going to try to be funny with the spotlight on him for 15 minutes. The man's probably mad, but he's Brian Wolfmuller. What's he going to be? He's not afraid of anything. And I remember his fear. I remember him being there. I mean, and I never, he must have trusted me so much. And now I'm telling the story, but I tell it to, to just show you what a, what a genuine guy is. Because I, I think I can explain why you wanted to do comedy. Uh, um, uh, but he just said to me, I just don't know, right? And, and I smiled right back and said, Brian, you're going to be great. You can do this. You've been preparing for this you know, your whole life. Go do it. And he did it. And he, he rocked it. It was hilarious. So you can go find it on YouTube. I really recommend it. Go watch it. Uh, why did he want to do comedy? I think it's because he was already thinking years ahead of me. About what I'm thinking about now because of James Altucher and Jim Rogan and all these guys. Joe, Jim, James Rogan, sorry. Joe Rogan. Let me just get wrong the name of the most powerful man in my industry. Why don't I, right? Jeez, um, Jonathan. Uh, apologies to the Roganites. Let us do obeisance. Um, Learning from Joe Rogan and James Altiger about comedy as art and philosophy. Thesis statement. Dave Chappelle, in his most recent two stand up routines that are on Netflix, shows that within any kingdom, the court gesture is also the prophet. And that if you lose the prophet, that is that court gesture, that is, if the king cannot laugh at himself any longer, you lose the kingdom. Dave Chappelle has been prophetic in American philosophical thought so that idea right now i'm running this back through brian wolfmuller doing comedy and thinking why is he doing this why because he saw it he sees it already he sees that to be an influencer in the world of rising stars which is the world of public discourse yeah it's not the way we should do it but it's what we got it's the battlefield friends that in that world the comedians they um they're the kingmakers. Really? are the kingmakers. Uh, to be able to do comedy means you can do anything else. No? Uh, the best comics are also the best actors. Uh, let me just uh, is that, is that true? That's the thesis too. I'm going to put that out there as thesis. Challenge me on that one. I, w- I want to grow in this. I am growing in this. Because what did I do today? And so I had the thought about a week and a half ago, because my daughter, and I really all my kids, are, are pretty good at comedy. They're actually doing it now, like to each other and whatnot. I was like, well, I bet I I could do it. If James Aldrich could do it and Jonathan can do it. Oh, I can't do it. That'd be scary. And I get all the fear and all this stuff. You talk in front of people all the time. Well, yes, yeah, it's a Totally different thing. You know, and then um, then I had the real Jonathan thought, which is uh, what if I didn't have to do stand up comedy? What if I just did a bit like yesterday about the HATE groups? Right. Was that funny? I hope that was funny. Oh, it's supposed to be funny, right? Um, I don't know. And so I did another one this morning. Comedy, you want comedy? Tell me. I, I want your feedback on this. Is it funny if I work it in some time? Should I do some more skits like that as I get perhaps video and, and, and whatnot, you know, inserted music, blah, blah, blah. Um, the idea that, that I would do uh, a satire, right? Um, I can't compete. I can't compete with a, he who should not be named on the other side of the um Rock River. Yeah, actually, that's true. Um, uh, so, <laughs> on the other side of the Rock River, um, but just do you want a little comedy here? Do you enjoy it when I do it? I'm kind of enjoying playing with it. Do you enjoy me, phlo- do you enjoy me philosophizing about it? All that kind of stuff. Let's get to your actual stuff. Some real theology here for us this morning. Uh, new Normal Vicki says, Oh, you know what? Um, I need to look at it this way. That'll work. Vicki says, Oh, I don't like the term new normal. What is normal? Oh, that's a good comment. All I know is Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is what I'm trusting in. That's a very good comment, uh, Vicki. Here's my challenge with this comment, okay? I'm going to push back just a touch on you. Um, what is normal is great. I love that. But all I know is Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, this is absolutely true. Um, There there are things God set into the created order that are to be expected to continue. And this is where the Christians should be less surprised than others at the changes that take place in the world that are catastrophes. Because we know that those are part of the normal. (laughs) The normal of centuries. The normal of the revealed will of God, or Jesus says, the beginning of birth pains. That's normal. The change in chaos is normal, which means that normal won't be as sterilized and clean and well-built and rockified as we really want it to be. Did I just verb-elate Rockefeller? Or like rock as a noun? I don't know. Both of them kind of worked. It's like a cool pun. Normal, though, still has, with all that chaos, pattern. So one of my own personal, again, little journeys... In my battle against that personal Lord and Savior, Kronos, who I refuse to uh, do obeisance to anymore, time, the clock, my own head and schedule and belief that the world needs me to save it before the, what, the time runs out, and don't don't look at me like I'm the only one, come now. So, in my own personal battle uh, against that that clock, there are these created order patterns which the Lord and Savior, who is Jesus Christ, established in the creation itself. And these will not be moved until, well, until the earth melts away. So things like sunrise and sunset, oh, is that morning and evening, the first, the second, the third day? Yeah. And things like the sixth and seventh day, have a day of rest, start again, reality, the week, which everyone knows is real, right? It's not an idea. It's, it's a thing. It's part of what the year is and what's the year based on. It's based on the sunrise and the sunset just from a different angle, a different perspective as the earth goes around the whole thing, right? God established those things as measures for times and seasons. He says so himself, right? So now you also have the waiting of the moon, all this. Now, I'm not saying that we should be like looking to see if we have werewolf powers on, on full moon night, but I think... I think when we went to the chronos clock, when we went to the um, uh, measuring all things in life, not just, not just when I wake up and when I go to sleep or when we're going to have a meeting or start a show, uh, not just those things, uh, but we measure all production, all value in life by time is money, by the clock. I think we lost something human when we went to that, and I don't know that anybody made a conscious decision to go to that. I think if we look back, we see philosophers who said, don't go to that. I think that today mass media is used to compel us to be that. I think that COVID-19 has actually given us an opportunity to say, you know, I'm not going to be that. And, and, um, I believe that in embracing the normal, which God created and learning to see it, because it's more than just sun and moon and stars, it's father and mother and child, it's neighbor, it's congregation, right? Um, Well, that's where Jesus has given us to see him giving himself to us in all those places, ultimately, in one way or another. Uh, And then the place for us to to be the body of Christ together, to be one together. And yeah, your neighbor might not confess the same gospel you do, but the part of Adam's body for whom Christ died, and so they're one who you should treat as if they are a Christian in all respects except for, um, well, believe in everything they say, <laughs> right? Uh, and you wouldn't do that for a Christian either, I would hope. You would test all things by the word, uh, by the word confess. So, Vicki, good. I, I love it, but, you know, all I know is Jesus. It, There is change. There is change. We have to acknowledge that. We have to be aware that that is a disturbing thing and that our As much as our faith pushes back, it's pushing back against something, right? Faith doesn't really do us a lot of good right now. I mean, to exercise trust in the promise that what I see is not the truth, but what I've been promised instead is the truth. To exercise that trust doesn't really do me a lot of good if I'm not fighting against anything. Then it's like, okay, like, why would I want to believe that what I see is not the truth? It's pretty good. I want to believe it is the truth, right? Right? So, um... That was just my thing, to just make sure that we know that that battle is not something to shy away from. It's okay to let the new normal that is the old normal, that there is no normal except what God has created and what God is redeeming, to let that just be one more source of um, reminder, right? Of sharpening, of discipline, of cross, and of comfort. Uh, as, we, as we look for his return, we walk toward Zion, hey? Ah! Oh man, our reasons to homeschool. I mean, uh, Teresa Shield says this. So uh, we homeschool so we can go on vacation whenever we want a number one reason. Uh, you know, that's a really good reason. Uh, that's not why we do it, though. We talked about that when, when we were looking into that. It is, I mean, the clock's a big part of it. Our little, I don't want to call it a school. I'm going to start calling it the workshop. I tried to call it venture training and nobody really is picking up on venture training because it's like, you know, training for an adventure to take the world over. And like nobody, a house full of ladies. My son's still not really, you know, running the show at all at 10. So, um, (laughs) uh, so it's still homeschool. I, I want to think of it as something more workshop, right? When I go out there to that workshop and it's what it is, it's a one room schoolhouse workshop. It's just such a stunning thing to see how freeing them from the bell and from having to move from class to class at a given hour, like what packaging on a production line. Oh yeah, for sure. And there's a Ted talk about that. Um, freeing from them from that has just been such a beautiful thing for their experience of humanity and life. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> I, my oldest daughter like sleeps in till like nine 30 She's she's a teenager, and then from nine thirty until like eight thirty at night, the girl's a machine, and she she does all sorts of stuff. But I mean, she's she's an herbalist right now. They're horticultural. They're going to have a huge garden. They're gonna, she's entrepreneuring. They're going to sell it roadside um, because it's legal in Illinois right now to do to do that. Still, um, so uh, you know, hey, that's that's homeschool. I told her the other day, I mean, she's, she's a freshman in her math. Not, sorry, she's a sophomore in her math, but a freshman officially would be your age, right? And I told her, you're graduated. Stop, stop pretending like you have to spend time to just start living. And that didn't mean, and she knew, knew that didn't mean that didn't mean stop doing your homework. <laughs> she's still going to do the stuff that, you know, you, you want to be able to uh, exercise all the faculties at your disposal and the basics of education, which homeschool again would focus on. Now, I don't, uh, this is a, a longer conversation. What do we mean when we say homeschool? There's different schools of homeschool, how you do it. But in my version, the, the Fiskian, whatever that might be, uh, a huge, huge part of it is rock hard, relentless memorization and um, a binding of them to the the basics early and then setting them free with boundaries as soon as you can. And uh, it's, it's it's been good. And, and in that then, I mean, you know, I just had this thought, uh, uh, Tressa, I just had this thought. Um, I should ask my child, a particular one that wants to go to a particular place to plan a trip there for her and me in three or four years I'd say, oh, I don't know, a graduation present. I haven't asked her mother about this yet or talked to her yet, but they don't watch the show. So no one has to know but us, right? Look at that. We're insiders now. Uh, what did I just do to your conscience? I don't know. But 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 what an idea that that would be homeschool too. That your child would plan the vacation, and then you would go, and then the vacation would be school because you'd plan to go learn stuff. It just never stops. The idea that school is a thing you go to, that learning is a thing you go to, is a major philosophical error. He was put into place by a man who wanted to build robots for the machines. I'm not kidding. Industrial Revolution and Dewey. You can look it up. There's been tons of work done on this. He wanted to build robot humans for the factory assembly lines. How's it working for us? Rat race? Is that what we call life? Rat race? I, I, I got unplugged from The Matrix. I watched The Matrix the other day as homework with my oldest two. And I was amazed. It's been a long time. Such a good movie. But I was it's not too. It's really bad. Um, I was amazed at the soundtrack. It's terrible. Absolutely atrocious. We have learned so much, and soundtracks are light years beyond what they were. Original sound scores. There are still guys who do it the old way, like that, like it was noise. Like if you put it on, and just play it, it's just noise, right? Um, but we've learned so much, oh, excuse me, so much now. Uh, the epic soundtrack mindset. And so the Matrix could use a, a real Dose of that, and I've never been a fan. Have I? Have I preached on this yet? I have never been a fan of the particular delivery of verbiage as from the lips of a man named Khan. And if you don't agree with me on that, and you think he's the best thing since sliced bread because of Bill and Ted, well, Bill and Ted's pretty darn funny because his face is so deadpan the entire time. That's the point. And then if you watch what he did in a glorious film called Much Ado About Nothing, which you would have to spend some time listening to, and I won't tell you why, but I could be rude and say it's because you're not cultured enough. In that movie... In which guys like, oh, Denzel Washington. um, Oh, who is it? Michael Keaton. uh, Robin Williams. Yeah, they're all in this same movie. Much Ado About Nothing. Look it up. Uh, And Keanu. Well, let's just say that the deadpan face isn't quite as interesting. When a man does not know the words that cometh from his faceth. It's hard to believe that hate is in his heart. Or, or something like that, right? So, so, The Matrix could use a lot of help. But the reason I made my, my kids watch The Matrix with me is because nobody under, like, 30 has seen The Matrix. And this is, like, for a Gen Xer, to my life, um, <laughs> for a Gen Xer, this is, like, the defining story of our actual reality. I think it really is. Why are Gen Xers like these shrugging, like, well, reality is what reality is, and I'm just going to do what I'm going to do. And the millennials like, change the world. Millennials didn't see the Matrix at the right time in their life. Thesis. Test me on that one. Bring it. Write me an Illuminati letter on it. So I made my kids watch it because I want to unplug my head from the Matrix, which is the belief that time is money. Money is stored work. That's not just my thesis. You can go listen to uh, Naval Ravikot. Um, ah, I forget the other guy who I follow on Twitter who's so good, uh, the, the uh, Bitcoin guy. Um, he liked my thing once. I felt really amazing because he's like a world leader in, in crypto uh, philosophy and stuff. Uh, so listen to those guys. Uh, money, money is stored work. So depending on what you think work is, that's what money is. So you can, you can reorient the meaning of money in your head, in your life, to mean a lot of different things. Generally, you spend the money on work you don't like or don't want to do or can't do and need someone to do for you. Why would you spend work, that is money, on something you want to do but you can't do? Why would you do that? Why would you just take the time and, and do the thing? Well, it's because the thing that's more valuable is the time. The time is always more valuable than the work. That's why people are so willing to pay time. Excuse me, to pay money. That's better. That's why people are so willing to pay money for time. Your time, if you're working for them. So they're buying you at what they think is cheap. Their time, if you're buying from them. Vice versa, it's capitalism, whatever. You deal with it. It's 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 the way the world is, give and take. It's every relationship that you're in. It's boundaries. It's let your yes be yes and your no be no. It's communication, it's language, all all of these things come together in in what well, ultimately language theory and what communication means. We believe so firmly as a culture that time is money. That if you were to look out there and ask, as an alien species visiting the planet, what's their religion? You would find a temple on almost every corner. They're pretty strong. They're not the ones that are falling apart and about to close. They'll be good through all this crisis because they actually have the government on their side. They're federally insured. Mm. (sighs) Take take another look at your world and pretend you are what? Who who should I use? Um, Percy Jackson, per se? Are you Percy Jackson? Do you live in his world with gods and monsters? Oh, no, of course not. You live in the modern world where all that stuff is silly. Ain't no unicorns except on TV. Or are there now? Have you just not learned to have the eyes to see? to see that temple's built to the storing of work. Well, you call it mammon. Uh, that, that temple's built to, to the moving of information, communications. These are not the words or names of gods as we think of them, but they are, they're the ancient gods. Same ones. Huh, same ones. Unplugging your head from that matrix and just realizing that every conversation, every life every decision, all the ideas and stories that are floating about, the myths, the facts, the fake news, the real news, all of it is either a lie of the devil or what God has surely already said. And what God has made very clear and what he has surely already said is that he's waging war. He's waging war against this age, against the, the prince of demons who scours over it. Shall we call him Baal, perhaps? I don't know. He's had many names. He who must not be named. Huh. Um, our Lord is in assault against all that and has emerged victorious. I mean, Christianity, Orthodox Lutheranism, here we come! emerge victorious from the grave, it was a strange and dreadful sight when life and death contended, but the victory re- remained with life. The reign of death is ended. That's ah, mm, poetry from Luther. We live unplugged from that matrix, and to look at it now and call those gods what they are, well, that's been my recent joy to discover. And and I, I am I'm glad to be here at home with my family, where homeschool can be, where the new normal is... Um, I want it to go back. But I don't want to forget what I got out of this deal. I hope you're with me on that one. Uh, And where the Templars are writing to me as I preach from a closet to the world. Isn't that the weirdest thing? It's, It's the Gen X century. Can I coin that? Can we snub it? You know what? You want to break generation theory? You come up with a way to call something a century that they just can't get through with whatever their next little, we're going to sell them and segment them and all this stuff. So let's just have this, 21st century. It's, the, it's the, the Generation X century. Because Gen X, for all of you who are all the other generations, no one likes us. Everyone thinks we're that we, we, they skipped us. We, they didn't even name us. They called us X. Solve for X. Hello, kids. Your monkeys don't have sex. What on earth? No wonder we see what we see. Dear heavens, Lord have mercy. Templars. <laughs> Templars, I'm listening to a great book on the Templars. Templars says, uh, or not, Ronach924 says, Hey, Refisk, would a Lutheran order of Templars be feasible? Uh, stay tuned. What? Uh, yeah. I don't know. But I'm thinking about it. So, it'd be something else. Don't go do it without me, please. Call me if you're going to do it on your own, or just give me, give me some thinking time on that one, because that's why I'm even sharing the story. So, good. Uh, good. Good insight, Renok. Do you read minds and hearts? Um, And so forth. Dalism says, speaking of Templar, I I don't know how Templar is, but if you like chant, look up Templar chant. Oh, cool. Very cool. And chant. Really? Really? Military? Pardon me while I uh, reach for my. You want some instruction in getting things done this morning? This is called a mini post-it note. You probably know all about those. Hold on. We're going to do. I'm I'm not going to lose it, though. Okay. Templar. Templar. Chant. Right, um, if you have a wall and you have these you can outdo um, it's not showing up very good it says Templar Chant. Uh, you can outdo any mind mapping software on any computer ever forever. I love mind mapping software Is what I concluded would be the thing I would need to have in order to actually get things done on my computer as taught by David Allen and I have not abandoned getting things done but I have abandoned the computer. Not entirely, obviously, I'm on one, but as like the source or the place, the mechanism. I have abandoned the computer for something pretty boring, really, a wall, and it's incredible. And let me just tell you, I mean, just do it yourself. If you take five sticky notes, just do it, do it for, i do it this way, do it for a day. For a day, Like find a wall near you, keep one of these little pads and a pen near you, right? And every time you have the urge to remember something or write something down somewhere else, and maybe you already have like the sticky pad world, right? Okay. Okay. So then do that, but have a wall, right? And just put them on the wall and then watch how they won't stay there. And if you tell your kids, don't touch it, that's a good thing. I I would recommend that. I'm going to try this with my family soon. Like we're going to have a family wall, but uh, initially um, tell everyone else not to touch it, but it's not going to stay the same because the next time you come back, you're going to see that two or three of these things are not like the others and then you're going to start to batch them and group them. That's called a project. Nah, you don't even know it yet, but you have one. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and if you can start to label these things, behold, the mind map's on the wall, and you don't need to go digging anywhere, and you can find it always, provided you actually have a wall, which requires a fortress, which is... Um, well, they're hard to find these days. But, 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 that said, a wall will do, and you can move it. You can take a picture, all that stuff. So, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm writing down Templar chant. Thank you for the comment templar chant thank you for the comment uh because i'm gonna i'm gonna go check it out so uh miscellany says oh this is under the heading i gotta learn frisbee the hand you're too good for me you're way ahead of me miscellany on the topic of miscellany sa schmidt says no news is good news with gary gnu i remember this Wow, a uh, great space coaster niche Gen X oh, I told you, reference I know you'll get I don't get it because this is my my other problem so I'm I am the Gen Xist the Gen X est of the Gen X ers in that I despise my Gen X ism. More than the rest. But that's kind of like the heart of what it means to be Gen X, I think, is to despise your own generation because the boomers were gods and we were but their mortal children who had way too much sugar and He Man as our comparative analysis for growth. Ha! So um, I think I turned out all right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, uh, the Gen Xist of the Gen Xers, I'm late. I, uh, 78. Didn't see Star Wars in the theater, just Return of the Jedi. So I like I know the uh, no news is good news with Gary. You knew like I know it like it's in my psyche, but I have no idea. You got me Easter egg. I lost. You win. A good comment, saw Schmidt, and well played indeed. Um, yeah. How you guys doing on the sidelines? Yeah. Do I wink a lot? I hope not. Usually when I wink, um, see this is here's the thing about the winks. Sorry, I'm not just tangenting... I looked at the comments. Jay Hero says, you wink a lot. I meant it when I said it way back. Like, as I was talking about it. This morning. If I wink at you right now on YouTube, like, it'd be as if my head were an eyeball in the room and I tried to wink. Like, the purpose of the wink is to hide information. Right? So, I'm talking to you like this and I want to say something to you that's like known in a different way than somebody who's over there might be and so I go like that because they can't see what we're saying yeah that's what winks always are according to the Bible okay that's, that's what that's wrestling with like, like, like always like always always well' it's, proverbs are proverbs aren't promises well yeah but this one's pretty there's a couple of them look them up chapter ten is where the first one shows up ten three Yeah. um if I wink at you, there is nobody in the room, in the closet, with me, <laughs> and uh, this is like having an eyeball as a head. Everyone can see it. So I can't possibly wink to lie. I'm, what I'm really doing, I can tell you this, what I really do when I'm winking on this show is I'm trying to make sure you know, um, oh, you know what? I am. I'm letting you know, you're right, oh, interesting, but I want to undo it. Uh, sorry, you're, you're watching me like think through it, uh, my, my process. I'm winking because there's more information and I want you to know if you have an information that I know it, even though I'm not going to go chase that rabbit right now, right? So so like as an LCMSer, there are so many intra-LCMS arguments that are valuable things, but that we obsess over and in, in some ways we then make them our platform for all conversations always. In fact, I remember this. I remember in Broken, Broken went through this excoriating doctrinal review process, in my opinion. And for me, it was very painful. I was a young author. Didn't know how to handle it. But in any case, like, like the guy wanted to shove the word justification, like just into sentences randomly. So I'd say it more, right? And it's just, it completely got in the way, right? So, so. What I do here on the show is I, I want to acknowledge those inter-debates that are there that are important and the, the things on which we stand or fall especially, right? Um, but I don't always want to chase the rabbit on the show. And I think that's when I wink. But that's a good that's a good catch Jay here. I appreciate this call out. Um, thank you. I will ponder more. And that's why I'm sharing it, by the way. I am growing in front of you um, uh, when it comes to the Proverbs. This is my own personal journey. Because if you're going to write a book called The Second Wisdom— After you write a book called Dust, you should probably just spend some time listening to Solomon, don't you think? Yeah, that's kind of what I figured. Sit down, shut up, fist, read the guy more. I did it once a long time ago, do it again. (laughs) I wonder, I wonder, and I'm going to wonder out loud. I once had somebody ask me um, about parenting, how I knew so much about it. I thought, oh, wow, that's a compliment. Um, first, as I, I, I daily feel like a failure at it, but I also know enough to know that's what we all experience. At the time, I didn't know what the answer to that was, the question that they asked. And at the time, it was when I was doing the parenting series with issues, et cetera, which you haven't listened to. I mean, it is like, um, seems pretty good to me. Uh, you know, if I go back, I'm like, yeah, I think I still agree with all that stuff. Uh, where'd it come from? The only thing I can tell you it was I read Proverbs and Ecclesiastes when I was like nineteen? But that's that's what I got, you know. I, I did read the whole Bible in that time period, but I don't. I didn't get much of it. Huh? But I remember Proverbs and Ecclesiastes striking me, and. And so, you know, my advice to you, if you want parenting advice, this should probably be my first advice always and forever from now on. So remind me of it if I ever say anything different, because I would like this to be what I say. Let it stand out in the record. Uh, you know, uh, Jonathan, Pastor Fisk, you know, what advice do you have for fathers and mothers? It's uh, read Ecclesiastes and then read Proverbs. In that order. And that's it. You know, then you can go from there. You can go from there. Um, uh, oh, Ryan Hill shouts out the song I quoted earlier. Christ Jesus lay in death strong bands for our offenses given, but now at God's right hand, he stands uh, and mm, makes us safe. No, that's not right. Oh, no, I don't have that next line. He uses the word heaven there, and it's not him. It's the translation, and I'm not convinced heaven's the best translation at that point, but... That being said, thank you. Moving on to thank yous from you. Just a thank you for the SM Chill. We have worship online, but I don't see or hear from other believers except for the chat. I have been holding on to the words of LSB 728, How Firm a Foundation, this week. It is a good hymn. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for you now in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, who unto the Savior for refuge have fled I have not endeavored or tried to memorize any psalm song in the hymnal ever I just sing them I do go to church twice and at times three or four times a week so I've had a small advantage in training but just you can do this too uh, da, 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 da. thanks again Tracy and Augusta Thank you Tracy thank you I'm glad we're here like Brian and I talked about last night quite a bit like let's not forget how much this is showing us what we have that we kind of can't lose, barring actual Holocaust or the return of Jesus. And, and and it's pretty good still, though it's going to be more painful for us. And I emphasize the us when I talk about, like, your neighbors and the people at your church and whatnot. Uh, a book wreck for me from uh, Daniel. Daniel says uh the image a guide to pseudo events in america by daniel j burston perhaps you've read or heard of this before no i have not no idea is it the john birch society i've heard of them and didn't go find out more from 1962 it's a great refresher for our day both uh, McLuhan and postman oh okay cool that's exciting to me good so you're talking like uh um uh uh, media Ecology, The Image. Oh, so is this going to be like the Im- the impact of the picture on history? Oh, I hope that's what it is. That's fascinating, if that's what it is. Uh, this is chapter one with the link. Thank you. Uh, the whole book, which I've not read, is here. Uh, Penguin Random House Books, The Image by Daniel uh, Burstyn. Uh, thank you, Daniel, for that wreck. That does sound interesting. I have an overlong... Book list as it is, and thanks to COVID, I have reinserted some reading into my life. It's been like years, my friends, and it hurts my brain so much. I feel so weak. It's like kryptonite. Uh, so, um, I'm, I'm, I'm making my way. And if actually, if you're on a Patreon follower, you're a Patreon subscriber. You know that because I shared some of the reading with you as one of those Patreon private insight things. Um, so, but this will get on my list because I do have a particular ongoing fascination with words. And uh, media ecology, thats I'm just saying the big crazy words because that's the technical terms you'd study at college if you went to study it, right? Media ecology, all it is is studying words like a scientist and then realizing that they don't just stop with words. They end up working in everything we do from cave paintings to crop sharing uh, or crop, crop, uh, terracing, right? Engineering level stuff to, to, to flying dragon out of space and, and having the thing land. Like at yesterday. if you saw that video, it, there'll be a link hopefully in Mad Mondays about that. Really cool stuff. Like all of that is is the art of word. I mean, the, the apes are great, but they're not going to build rocket ships. Uh, this word we've been given, this mind we've been given, which is, you know, the, the inspiration of God as creator first, right? Um, to study that as a scientist is what media ecology is does um as opposed to say communications if you go study communications at college you're studying mm, social sciences which there's something to be learned and gleaned from those things but they're kind of in the hands of atheists and pagans so it's just um i mean they're liars i don't know how to, else to say it. it's not like every single one lies all the time but when it comes to their religion they're not gonna tell you the truth so you just kind of get used to that i'm sorry it's the way it is yeah, no, so so if you're gonna go to college get ready for a war nobody believes what you do it's okay you can fight do you have your wand harry it's a good time for that um Harry Potter's not my like cup of tea. I'm I'm Star Wars. I'm I'm Luke. Luke is my you know, uh, eh. and I have an affination an affination for Eradimus uh, Prime. Strangely, uh, if you get that Gen X reference. So Harry Potter's not my favorite, but it, it it's the only one that has and it's good. I like it, but it, it's the only one that has. Sorry, tangent again. The movies were not so great. The books are incredible. The image that it has. When Harry goes to the wand shop and has to it will pick out his wand, well, he doesn't really get to choose his wand so much as his wand kind of chooses him. But the wand's not sentient. It's not alive like a dog or a or a, I don't know, a, a ratters. Is that what his name, ratters? I can't think of it now. The guy, I won't give it away, I promise. Uh, so, and there's a word for that too, by the way. I'm tr- that's what I'm hunting for in my head is the familiar. There it is. It's not a familiar. The wand is not like this sentient familiar wandering around you or some demon you've, ca- you've brought from the abyss as a warlock to, to work with you. No, 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 those things. It's, it's more like there's just this organic bond between you and the technology of the wand, which is called magic, right? And that's what makes uh, her books just really come alive. She also writes as mystery. They're all mysteries, so she reintroduced mystery into the realm of juvenile fiction, um, which is a genius idea uh, to do that. She already did it, and now everyone else is doing it too. But what, what made her writing again uh, uh, so lively is the way that the magic was organic. Yeah, And, and so, okay, so Harry goes into the wand shop. And the old wand master's bringing him like these different wands. And they all have this really cool stuff. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. Like it's like the tongue of a, of a basilisk. And I know I pronounced that wrong. I think we all do basilisk. Is that right? Um, but each one is like not right for Harry. And then finally he gets it down to the right one. And oh, not only is it a phoenix feather, but it also is so rare that only the greatest people ever also got this wand. Wow. And that's me because we all identify with Harry and I'm special too, and that's how stories work. It's just theory, okay? So but but what that's valuable for is thinking about your confirmation verse. Wherever you are right now in life, do you have one? Do you not? Doesn't matter. Life is that wand shop, and your confirmation verse is the wand, and the old wand maker is God the Father and your Lord Jesus Christ, but invisible. Because there's all sorts of ways you get confirmation Versus Some people pick them, some people don't. But you all get one if you get confirmed, one way or the other. And once it's there, if you conceive of it as being like the spell that God moved the universe to give you, because it kind of is. Like, it's, like the universe is that intertwined and everything in history happened so you could have that Bible verse be your confirmation verse on that day in real history that will never fade because it's tied to the resurrection of Jesus. Those words are kind of important then, aren't they? Like in an organic, maybe prayerful way. Where's your wand, Harry? Uk este, yauton. Lewis, I don't know that was just me laughing. <laughs> Emmaus Heartburn uh, says, uh, and nobody think that was tongues, please. That was me just laughing at uh, my own comedy. Was it comedy? It uh, wasn't comedy. Salutations. Luke 24, 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened the scriptures? Now, that's uh, the text from the question... I've been in conversation with friends about the text above regarding what the burning heart means. Their attitude has consistently been that the heart burned with joy. But I cannot find reference of burning and joy going together elsewhere in the scriptures. You're right. You know why? Because fire is wrath. Okay? Always. Like, there's, there's not really a not-wrath fire. I, now, I'm taking this on the, on the verbal teaching of a man who spoke Hebrew... New Hebrew, read Hebrew, loved Hebrew, counted Hebrew syllables. Yeah, and fire is not a positive in the Bible. And you might say, but what about the tongues of fire? And uh, it's like they're um, they're not fire. Read the text. They're as of fire. What does that mean? I don't know. But their heads aren't on fire. Um, the fire is the forge. Now the Lord uses the fire. So by all means, the church is in the fire, yes. And there is a judgment begun with the household of God. So what will become of the wicked and the sinner? That is a good question. And that fire is the purification of our hearts and minds through the knowledge that Jesus is sufficient over all of our daily sinfulness and poor, miserable sinfulness even. The growth of of that faith um, happens as the fire, the wrath, scours our attempts to like build our own city it just he tears it down let's build a tower he says no right it's over and over again the fire destroys this world that's the prophecy it's not good but to the christian now even the wrath has become a path amidst the grace And so we don't need to fear the fire. But you're completely right. Joy and burning. No, there is no joy in burning. Um, Now, let me say this. Should the day come that they burn you, there will be great joy in you as they burn you, as they did to the prophets and confessors of old. But your joy won't be in the burning. Your joy will be in the songs you're singing from memory without having to think about it as you die. And then hearing your captors say, look how, look how they die. And you say, amen, Lord, amen. He is risen indeed, yeah? Just as he said, that kind of thing. Anyway, that's a tangent. Burning, not good. Their attitude has consistently been, oh, yeah, yeah. moving on. The Greek word for burning is a passive participle in this text. Oh, oh, challenging. All of us, passive, meaning being done to you. Participle, mean, meaning a verb that is not sufficient to build a sentence on, like an action that is with other things. usually ends in ing, and so you need to like have a uh that completes the ing. Um, running, he ran, right? Running's your participle. Do you know I actually did go to school to teach English grammar? In high school. Yeah, that's, that's really the path I was on. So, um, I'm that guy. <laughs> Thanks be to God. He taught me to sing on the internet. Uh, passive participle. So the Greek here for the burning is it's being done to you, and it's not the main thing. As such, we could translate this as our hearts were caused to burn as he opened the scriptures to us. Yes, excellent. I'm with you so far. Taking this term into a more colloquial English word... Uh, I understand the text as, wasn't our heart being enlightened? Love it. I'm I'm push. I'm going to push that word, like forever. Enlightenment. Um, We'll come back to that another time. But did not our heart receive enlightenment as he spoke to us on the road, as he opened the scriptures to us? Um, uh, comment again here from uh, the reader, excuse me, the writer. I think the term enlightenment has multiple connotations. It shows the positive results of Jesus' words as the lights of the world enlightened. I think you mean word there, right? As the light of the word enlightens their hearts, yes. It cuts back on the emotions over over mm, sorry. It cuts back on the emotions often overconnected with the heart in modern parlance without entirely removing it. Yes. The theology of the body is the problem, right? We need the whole life. And I've been pushing on this from the other side for a while here. If you've been following me, you've heard me talk about the soul, spirit versus body thing that, you know, as if we're divided beings. Uh, And so, yeah, we cannot remove emotion from enlightenment because that would be to cease being human, to be without emotion. And it's, it's a good thing. So, yes, the heart and the mind are one. And that's where I'm really... In my practice of stretching and breathing and paying attention to my thoughts and the Word of God and asking questions about them, I have, I have come to see or believe that my body is the whole experience of my mind and my heart together. And so it is my body that goes to church. Uh, I, I've been laughing at this, at this with um, my honey. I really love the tune—my honey is my wife, my beloved. I really love the tune— to a song that's a terrible song, I think. Uh, It's called, um, oh no, it's not even called the chorus line because it's it's such a terrible song. It's an Ed Sheeran song. uh, And, oh, what is this? I can't think of the title now. Shape of You, there it is. Shape of You. And the the lyrics go, I'm in love with the shape of you. And and then later it says, I'm in love with your body. I'm in love with your body. And, And the challenge for me is that what's going on behind those words is a tune so danceable as to be perhaps uh, needing what, what, uh, legal restrictions on use or something like that, right? It's just such a good song, right? If, if we're going to talk about music. But then as I'm listening to this song on my, my earbuds and, and I'm, I'm looking at my wife and singing and dancing to her while she's cooking in the kitchen and we're getting ready for dinner and all this kind of stuff. And, I, and I'm hearing the words, I'm in love with your body. It strikes me, you know what? I actually am because that's who my wife is. She's not, not the body. And I said it to my kids and they immediately went, no, no, you got to love her for who she is. And I'm like, is she not her body? Why, why have we let adultery steal from us? If you don't love the body of your wife or your husband, what's wrong with you? <laughs> I'm not talking about lust. What do you call it when somebody is sick and on hospice care and the spouse stays there and feeds them and aids them and wipes them? I'm going to be singing I'm in love with your body to my wife on that day whether it's me or her, has to help the other. So, so in this, enlightenment, as you say, is a word that has a whole body understanding to it. Yeah? A whole person understanding to it. Um, but isn't the sappy heart language of uh, post-evangelicalism. Uh, you didn't say that. That's so what I'm saying. I'm like interpreting what you're saying. And I'm in full agreement with you. Uh, it strikes at Western rationalism, modernism, uh, and Eastern mysticism. That is the word enlightenment, as a Christian word, you're making my argument for me. I was going to wait a little while to go public with this, but you're doing it for me. So thank you. Um, It strikes, talking about enlightenment strikes the Western rational mind, us, as well as the Eastern mystic, that's China, and India. Um, Russia is actually Western, Um, but China and India, and in some respect, Africa also should be considered the East if we're going to talk in these kinds of philosophical trains. Uh, Um, at least uh, sub-Saharan Africa. Um, So, uh, Enlightenment is a word that can be used to push meaning that we actually confess into those mindsets, both of them, which is the pluralistic culture in which we dwell right now. So again, I mean, this is, I'm, I'm sorry if I'm talking over ahead. I don't intend to. This is stunning dia- diagnosis that you're giving us here. This is just fantastic. So um, I'm on w- with you entirely. It does this by declaring that enlightenment comes not, yes, exactly, not from ourselves. Ah. <sighs> Is it works in grace at the end of the day? Is that why we stand or fall in Article 4 of... What's that, that thing? Hashtag UAC till I die. Um, Enlightenment comes not from ourselves, neither mind nor spirit, but rather from the external. Now, <clears throat> preaching is the word we're going to need to wrestle with still, but the preaching of the word, specifically the preaching of Christ crucified. Yes, if we can detach that word from the excessively like harnessing narrow meaning that Lutherans have given it and go back to the, the, the kerygma, the real kerygma, the proclamation of Scripture. So you got, you got this word oiangelion, oiangelion, however you want to pronounce it. Oh, do I have to tangent to explain my own battle against whether you thought I pronounced it right? By saying that there are two schools of pronouncing Koine Greek and they disagree with each other and it's all about the vowels and so you can never please anybody in a public forum? There you go. So, oiangelion, gospel, is our like major word for the good news of Jesus Christ being risen from the dead, right? Yeah, so, crucified for you, ascended, the whole thing, the creed, gospel. But kerygma, proclamation, is just as big a deal a word in the New Testament as oiangelion. In fact, it may even be a bigger word. And we tend to translate it as preaching, although sometimes it comes out as proclamation. It is most definitely not limited to the office of the holy ministry, otherwise known as the ordained and sent, you know, apostolic keys, uh, um, the the preacher, uh, um, the shepherd. Uh, it's not limited to him. This kerygma—it's what he does, though. He's supposed to kerygma all the time, right? Like he's in a—he he might be in a pulpit thirty minutes, hour and a half, a week. Uh, he's supposed to—he's uh, supposed to kerygma all the time. He's supposed to proclaim all the time. So the. The proclamation, that thing, the charisma of Christ, uh, that is the enlightening declaration, right? Revelation, new message, um, what? Glitch in the matrix. Uh, it, oh, can I say it again? How often? I... I <laughs> Okay, so Glitch in the Matrix, Gen X reference. So if you didn't get it, it's because you didn't, I haven't seen the Matrix, which is, aside from the Bible, I guess the tool for interpreting all things at the moment. Um, <laughs> in it, uh, you're in this computer simulation that is life, and then you eventually get out of it and you get to fight back against the machines that put you there. It's like a cool dystopic future kind of thing. Um, well, not cool, but like the, the fight. It's like um, the millennials got, what's her name? Candace, right? Um, arrows, they're hungry and playing a game. Is that what it is? Did I... Oh, glitter and r- vampires, too. Also, while we're at it. I winked. See, I made an inside joke. So I, I winked because I made an inside joke, and I want those who have the inside joke to know that I don't dislike the thing I made fun of. That's what I'm doing. So please take that from my winks. I don't necessarily dislike sparkling vampires, although maybe I, I worked myself into a hole with that one now. I just have to sit and recollect my thoughts from... <laughs> I feel very silly about it. The Matrix and the glitch in The Matrix is a reference as a Gen X term to uh, something abnormal that you see. Uh, because what happens is there's a bit of deja vu, really poorly done as a scene, by the way. It was one of the worst scenes in the movie. I remember it being so good. It was really bad. It's like, this is, that was done And Keanu's just like, Bleh. he's barfing his lines out there. And, and I, I'm sorry, Keanu, if you watch this, but you know, you know, you're an actor, um, which means you can handle it, right? Um, so, he says he sees deja vu when he sees a cat walk by, and this, in fact, is not just deja vu, but deja vu, spiritual things like this, happens to be a, a glitch in the computer programming, a hiccup, it wasn't a virus, right? But if you do coding, you know, it's not a bug, it's not really causing a problem yet, it's a glitch. Uh, it, so there's a glitch there, which turns the people who are in the rebellion freedom-fighting force uh, aware that the bad guys are coming. Okay, so the glitch in the Matrix is, he has risen, he has risen indeed, just as he said, alleluia, that's the glitch in the Matrix we have it. We can use it. Let the reader understand. That is awesome if you followed me on that. Um, if you didn't, that's cool. I'm just, it's just using the movie to go deeper on how to think about when you might say, Alleluia, <laughs> and why. <laughs> uh, why you might say, Amen, and He has risen, and I forgive you, and all sorts of other good words out loud about the enlightenment that is given by Jesus Christ, it's not necessary for the Christ. Okay, and you, there's the quote. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as a grammar and English expert nerd. I don't know if I'm an expert. I just was trained in the factories, right? It doesn't make one an expert. Factories can make one an expert. On factories, I'm not bad at that, actually. Um, but but grammar, I'm, I'm okay. A bonus question, because Jesus is the Word incarnate, does the Word of the Lord endures forever, testify that Christ is risen? Oh, I like that. Um your athanasius aficionado. Nice, I like that too. Uh, titus so okay we're gonna go back to your question though just on on the understanding of the the grammar yes so whenever we can see that the good news the gospel of jesus is that the savings been done outside of us that is the singular enlightenment experience of christianity and I'm happy saying it that way. And that on the Emmaus road, they received that enlightenment, which might indeed have burned their hearts with repentant pain and joy intertwined. Often is the case, perhaps even a tear. And then came to an awareness of what you say at the end here, uh, that Christ is risen. So yeah, I'm very comfortable speaking about it that way. and want to do so more Uh, i came to this conclusion i believe yesterday as i was translating a little bit of peeper from the english for myself my own notes um and uh i used he'd used the phrase justification and salvation and one of the thing i've been trying to do with these little quips of peeper um is is put it in american english and so i was wrestling with justification and salvation because those are very important words that you would never want to not know as a bible-believing christian but if you're going to talk to someone who's not one of those things uh, they're just not things they were no one's really worried about justification i mean they all are we can be like yes they are we're always trying to justify yeah i know lcms you're right we are but they don't use that word to talk about it so when you talk about it you sound like a moron like some inbred hick from saxony oh that's me right so um yeah that's <laughs> us right, uh, so why don't we use this great wonderkind in LCMS heritage of ours that, that relishes being able to know what you know about society, which is that they're all trying to justify themselves all the time. Why don't we use that amazing knowledge to figure out how to tell it to them? So they hear it. Right. And so if the word we're going to use to talk about what Jesus does for us, that is justifying, that is salvific, that, uh, that they all know, as soon as you say it, if it is that I have been enlightened by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. they know what you meant at least you know and 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 it's not as though that's incomplete and it's certainly not the dogmatic term for expressing our final what uh, um uh confession but it's in scripture the illumination of of you my word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path the sun shall no longer shine nor the stars, but Christ himself shall be their light. I mean, it's just, it is it is all over what we have and it's all over the story of what we have. The rider on the white horse with his streaming light. I mean, we just, we have enlightenment everywhere in our myth <laughs> that isn't the myth. My beef, Lutherans, cheers to you. We made debating the myth the game rather than telling the myth kerygma in the oiangelion the meta narrative the all story we made debating and writing stories about debating the all story our story LCMS now the world stopped they've paused We're waiting for prophets. Are we going to learn to tell the story? Were you there? When they crucified Joshua, son of Joseph, carpenter and bastard, (gasps) but his parents weren't married. And so the proper grammarian word would indeed describe the adulterous, licit, and a non-inheriting nature of his conception. Would it not? Can we tell the story again? Can we believe telling the story is the thing that matters? Preachers, can you be bards again? Can you be a comedian without being a huckster? Hmm these are fair questions for me, is I struggle with my own enlightenment and say, Titus, unto you uh, is the blessing of seeing at least the proper distinction between law and gospel and wanting to find it where it is in the text, which is all over. So God bless you for the letter. Thank you. I hope everyone else listening got something out of that wandering nonsense that had a few periods in it. Um, Frisbee, do you have John the... Oh, you know, pfft, that's, that, that is so silly. And I just apologize this morning. John the sacramentarian, I hope... To heavens, you're a forgiving person, because now the world may. Thank you for your comments. I didn't do this on purpose. Um, thank you, Frisbee, for giving me his email address so I can reach out to him privately. Appreciate it. Golly, I'm bad at this. What do you do, my friends? Here, hold on. Um, how can I fix this really fast? I can go here. Uh, what do you do? I mean this in all seriousness here. Let's go back. Let's go do this. What do you do when you know you have a personality flaw, when you're a Christian, and you know that you would like to amend this personality flaw, not a sin. If you go there with this, you're just going to ruin your own heart. So um, it's not something that per se would need repentance. So let's just, let's just use my own. I'll be just bare naked honest with you here, Okay. Now, come on. It's YouTube. I forget stuff. Always have. I remember one of the most painful things in my entire life was the day that I came home from soccer practice without a sweatshirt. I didn't know I didn't have a sweatshirt yet. Um, I found out later, maybe the next day. I took it off because... I lived in Portland, and Portland, for all of its idiosyncrasies, uh, is a beautiful place to play soccer, honestly, and I grew up playing soccer, and it rains during the fall season every year, and that's what makes it fun, because it's mud. So I was very muddy that day. I took the sweatshirt off uh, so I could continue playing. No, I think I... Oh, I was even trying to do the right thing. Look at that memory. I took it off so it wouldn't get muddy. Ouch. Ouch. And um, the thing was, this sweatshirt was handmade by my mom. Now, don't get me wrong. She didn't make the sleeves. She embroidered with what had to be like, what, a $300, you know, uh, Tinker's Daughter sewing, sewing machine that she was a ma- is a master at still. She embroidered... Link... 1986, I have a Link sweatshirt. These don't exist yet, my peoples. You're getting them at Kohl's now. My mom made me one. And on like the second day I wore it, I lost it. I've been trying not to lose things my entire life. Just the other day, I had a conversation with my wife about um, about it. Because after I've looked through the house three times, I usually want help. (laughs) I figure, however I may be able to think outside the box on most occasions, on this point, I've really stumped myself with whatever I did, which the vast majority of occasions is that somebody needs something. I have something in my hands, and at the moment of need, I set it down, and it's not where it's supposed to go, you know, like by the door or whatever, keys, blah, blah, blah. And so it's gone. But So so then after I've looked, you know, three times in all the places where it should be, I finally try to approach family for for help, and I don't think I'm very good at it, and and I'm learning that, which is nice, because when I come to them, I'm really angry at myself. I'm so angry that I have lost yet another thing. I miss like once a day. It's like, okay, kids, we got the map? X marks the spot. Let's find what father lost. And it's 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 just stunning to me. Uh, um, My whole life this has been. So I feel a great weight on this because I've been trying to fix it my whole life. And you, I mean, if you've listened to me You know, it's not like I'm like, I'm not willing to learn things, right? It's not like I'm not willing to try new things. Uh, It's not like I don't have the ability to change habits and form new ones. And have studied that too. And I, I admitted defeat to my wife uh, two days ago or a day ago with that conversation. I came in and I said, I got to tell you, honey, I I can't find, I don't remember what it was. I do. I do actually, but it doesn't matter to the story. I can't find my keys. Again, I need you to know. That when I am in that state, I am in such a state of self-loathing that I'm wasting time, which my Lord and Savior Kronos, you know, uh, I owe him. uh, I'm wasting time having to do this and now needing to ask other people for help and disturbing your day, which I don't want to do. And so I'm angry about that. And I think that what's happening, though, probably is that my anger, that's this flooded feeling that's beginning to happen as I'm getting frustrated with myself over losing the keys, um, that when I come in and say I can't find my keys, help me, my chances, my my, my thoughts are you're thinking I'm angry at you because that's what all people think is that it's always about us. And so what I'm about to do is make you feel really bad. Please don't feel really bad. Please help me find my keys and teach me not to hate myself for it. (laughs) And she said she loved me. And then we went and we found it. But what I'm sharing with you is is I want to get into this on two levels. I want to get into this on a spiritual level. And I want to get into it on a practical level, which is like how do you, again, manage a weakness if you figure out you finally have one that you can't beat. Uh, But but on the spiritual level, um, this is this battle that we have every day, is it not? To believe we can solve our own problems with enough elbow grease. The Bible doesn't talk about elbow grease. It does talk about the war horse. It calls it a false hope. The other thing I've been wondering a bit more with that whole minigame thing from earlier is like, well, I got an inbuilt mini minigame. Find the keys. You know, there it is. Yay, game for the day. I, I could look at it all that way. Or I could look at it this way, which is the way I'm really looking at it. I'm so thankful for the conversation I just had with my wife about bearing with each other's weaknesses in which she received me, did not judge me, and, and we began to walk forward together. And the next time I lose anything, I will be less angry from the beginning, because of that forgiveness and openness and care, which again is kindness. In the RPG, dystopian, virtual matrix of life, the glitch in the matrix is is the resurrection of Jesus, but the bending the universe with your mind is kindness. It's all the fruit of the Spirit, but kindness moves the world. Pursue kindness. Uh, I shared all of that to be vulnerable, because I think that's valuable. I think that's why you're here. I shared all of that to give you an insight into my own struggle with my own faith, because this is very much about me believing that Jesus is sufficient for me where I am as I am today as a pastor sent to proclaim this kerygma to St. Paul Lutheran Church over there, and now you're listening while I do it online as well. So I shared it for that reason. I mentioned also, you know, how do you hack this? One of the biggest values in Christianity is the teaching that we, as the body of Christ, should not be alone. That man is not made to be alone. And in this way, the parts of the body First Corinthians anybody have different vocations, assets, tools. We assign them values as we should not, um, but that the body of your family and the body of your neighborhood and the body of your city and the body of your church and all humanity wherever it comes together in formations and groups that we would call a body, but starting with the, the foundation one, which is the, the family, the place you all went when they said go home because the open borders thing wasn't working, you all going to die, run home now. Yeah, fourth commandment, right? You need families. So so in that body, in that place of your family, you have sinners, yes, but even in a perfect world, paradise raised, you will have one made for this use and one made for another use. You have what we today call strengths and weaknesses. And the great asset of Christian life in the house is to cease calling weaknesses, uh, no, I say it differently, to cease allowing the weaknesses to be the demons of guilt. For they are not our true guilt, they are merely how we're created. And oftentimes you might find that where one is weak, another is strong. And so you're not either weak or strong, you're two pieces that are made to fit together. And God's doing that as part of life for all of us in every relationship we have all the time in which kindness is like your superpower tool. I mean, please, like, um, if that's just like off the left side of, you know, Albuquerque or whatever, too far away for you, let me know that that didn't make sense because I want a chance to defend what I just said. Because I think, I think that was freeing, was it not? It was for me. Well, thanks for listening anyway. So let's get back to you. you're not here for me. You're here for more of you. Mom Monster chimed in. Mom Monster, how are you? You got a question for Mom Monster. I got to get the picture to you. Uh, Mom Monster says, I was so very grateful. Pastor Fisk addressed a question on the SMC about a writer, a husband who wants to be Lutheran, but his wife doesn't. I'm in the same boat. My husband has gone sour on our congregation and our pastor. I address this with our pastor, and both men have talked about it. That's good. Uh, They seem to have mended, but my husband has a hard time forgiving. what We all do. He is not alone. Uh, I have underlying chronic health conditions that force me to isolate myself for long periods of time. Um, Wow. God bless you. I kind of know what it feels like now. Uh, At times, I have to take medications that force me to give up driving. Um, Yeah tough getting older is gonna do that to a lot of us that we're not ready for it but um doing it for a long time in the midst of health is it's hard to reckon with um poor miserable right how, how much can you own a sickness that is ongoing and say this is me and i'm not ashamed right so i i, I feel you there too my disorder wrecks havoc on all relationships surrounding me um god have mercy on all around you in Jesus. Uh, that's why I isolate, so I don't get misunderstood. I still attend a midweek divine service, but usually just my son and myself in attendance. You make me think of mom. Uh, yeah, not many were streak. Uh, not many were uh, were strong. Not many were famous, right? Uh, not many of you are are the the glorious things of the world. That's not what the Lord builds His body out of. So uh, just remember that as well when you critique yourself uh, da, 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 da. people who I thought were friends in the church have turned away from me. I brought it to my pastor's attention that his only his wife and uh, a widow made an effort to pick up the phone, call or email me. We have 200 members or so. Pastor was shocked to find the lack of Christian charity. I just mentioned that maybe it's the avoidant nature of my friends. There's a lot of reasons, mom. So I, what I don't want to do here is triangle, which is when this is really important, like boundaries and relationship kind of stuff, which is when you got a problem with here and you got a, you got two people and there's a problem between them. I need a bigger, screen. Uh, There we go. You got, you got two people and there's a problem between them. And they think one of them thinks that the answer is to go get a third person and bring them in. So now you got three people, three people. And whenever that happens, one who comes in, he's going to be trying to save one from the other, which automatically makes the other defensive. And now you have a fight no matter what you do. So trying to give a solution to a conflict from far away is usually a bad idea. Uh, uh, In this, I want to encourage you rather than, uh, you know, what can you do I want to talk to you about again my own experience reckoning with with my own flaws that no doubt as as you know an introvert's introvert can be confusing uh, to those who are not introverts at all uh, particularly uh, and and what I what I try to do is to believe that every time there's a problem even if. I think with all the mind that I got that I am justified. Innocent party. I'm talking about every relationship I have. I try to believe that no matter what I think. It was my fault. And then I ask, well, I believe that first because it's okay, bad word, forgive in, better word, in Jesus, in Joshua, Christos. Uh, And believing that then, I'm free. I'm free to try again. Uh, I'm free to try again, beginning by assessing what I could have done differently or what I could have seen differently. So often is what I see or asking, what do they see that I don't see? How do they see me? And knowing that most people don't see kindness anywhere ever. And then that means they're not seeing it from me at that moment. And maybe I have good reason to not be kind right now. All sorts of reasons. We're all fighting battles. No one else knows about, but I got no excuse except Jesus. And Jesus is my excuse, but Jesus as my excuse for why I shall not be damned is also my excuse for why I'm not giving up now. (laughs) Yeah, because he built this thing and it is good. And I want to give what he built into it, which is, again, can I say it? Pursue kindness. You might hear that one again. Long-winded, Mom says, I, I know, but just last night my husband talks of finding a church that is more involved in the community, even suggesting non-Denom. While it brings joy to hear that he has a servant's heart, I don't want to wallow in the loose doctrine, touchy the area muck. I don't know. I've prayed about it. Maybe these bridges are burned for a reason, and maybe it's time to take my family elsewhere. Things are limited in the ELCA. Well, Mom, all I can do is say what I've said to many like you. Pastor Matt Richard has done a study of those who discover that they are in heterodox communions, non-denom or otherwise, who realize that, no, they got to go somewhere else. And it is clear from his research, it is just one paper, but it is clear from his research that um, the longer you refuse to see the writing on the wall, and indeed let the reader understand what with, with all that that proverb means, the longer you stay, the more suffering you get and the less content and hope filled you will be. And the sooner you go anywhere that you're going to be able to get a better drink of water, um, the last thing. And so I, i I'm, this video is not intended to be an anti ELCA video, but I mean, ship sailed a long time ago and, and uh, you come find a place where you can fight. And I would honestly, with what you're describing as you're describing, I would, I would, I would do a search for a pastor who will come to you from within a 30-minute radius of driving, maybe 40, um, a congregation that uh, that has uh, shut-in care as a primary asset and perhaps even employs then uh, a secondary person in some fashion uh, so that your needs are met in that way. Different congregations, like different people, have different skills in this regard, and being too hard on one or another just for that is really a bit much, um, but we all— should see that that's there and that there are congregations that have given over much of what they do as an, an administrative basis to providing living accommodations for people with needs. Um, and and that can go on, on very high levels. I'm not necessarily suggesting that that's what you need, but you know, somewhere in between there and, you know, nobody writes a letter, nobody calls. I know uh, it, it often is up to the individual Christians and how much they know. Uh, but if you get a pastor who, uh, is convicted to see you with great regularity, um, and wants to build on that. And he knows that your need, uh, he'll do that. Um, yeah, what do you, I, I would not recommend you go into the non-de-nums because you're just going to get, um, poop brownies, but, uh, you know, I don't know. You got to let your husband be a man. I'm, I, I, oh, a husband must preach to his wife. We're coming to that in just a moment. You got to let your husband be a man. Actually, that'll be where I'm going to go with the rest of this mom, I appreciate the fact that you listen I know you're a long timer. I don't want to hurt you. Um, I want to be honest with you and I don't know the whole scenario, but I know that in every single one of them, I can be kinder. I know that. And I know I'm forgiven. And so I have no reason to look at my forgetfulness too sternly, but to remember those who, who do love me yet, um, and seeking all things to make sure they know I love them any way possible. Yeah. Uh, moving on to man being a man though let's go back to our our big screen here i'm ready for my close up mr is it deville that would be a pre-gen x easter egg um i think it's mr deville some hollywood reference a wise man i think named price once said to me a husband must preach to his wife and at the time i was like wow that's probably really like a complicated thought. And and I've teased it out a bit since then. Uh, hello, Preuss brother, if you remember that conversation. Um, I do love uh, the the Gen X Preuss addition to the LCMS roster. Uh, they're good people. If you know one, uh, say hi, smack him on the back of the head or fist bump him, depending on which brother it is. And you'll know. Um, but, but what, you know, these brothers who are all pastors who come out of a family with a father who indeed did train them to love their faith dynamically. And, um, so when one of them says, uh, you know, a father must preach to his wife. I'm like, well, that's probably got a lot of context to it that I just don't have. And, you know, two, two kid family and you know, a nuclear family, a suburban, you suburban know, church worker family, but not, not, not a pastor's kid. And, and it's a lot of differences there, right? But anyway, I've mulled, I've mulled that thought over for a long time now. And, you know, I, I've also been mulling over, you know, one of you asked the question earlier, you know, a men's society. You know, I, let's just pause. Don't wait for the Lord on that one, please. Okay, but you mentioned it. I've been pondering in that avenue the need for men and that men are not going to show up as men until we let them do it. And I'm going to use a very painful example for the world to demonstrate this. It's called the man cave. The man cave is a fascinating sociological development. I'm I'm amazed there are not serious papers devoted to this, but they're busy looking at like what? uh, The the homosexual transgender nature of chipmunks in uh, medieval Western Babylonian Ugaritic and how it influences... Uh, the need for repatriation uh, uh, of of slave benefits, or something like that. Right? That's what they're, they're studying that, and and instead of studying studying that, I think what they should be studying, and what we should be studying, is the value of words in the home and how they're used, and how how God created this pattern of godliness so that we would not be alone. And that somewhere in the Bible, what it says about that is that a primary duty or even an essential purpose of the man, husband, meaning not just man alone, but man with a woman, the primary duty is to charisma, to proclaim. Which you're never going to do if you don't talk to the lady. Eh? Uh, and if you don't talk to him now before you're married to any of them, you're not going to probably be real good at talking after. But you might you might find that right introvert that matches the spectrum. Let the reader understand. And I, I, should I wink to show you I'm on the inside crowd and all that too? They, you know, so the point is that disciplining, growing, improving... Your ability to converse with your spouse, guys, is the primary part of being a guy. Uh, not being afraid of girls, being able to talk to girls, and particularly then preparing to talk to one girl the rest of your life in such a dynamic and intertwined reality that you might even call it preaching, Now, I don't want to tie it only to charisma, as I said earlier, that that beautiful spiritual reality, because that is part of what goes on when a husband preaches to his wife. He should preach to her about Jesus. God help him if he don't. But it's not all that that word preaching entails in this, again, majestic, created reality of manhood, which is to be the one who names things. Hey, honey, look what I found. I call it not you <laughs> and you're better, <laughs> but the task of talking falls upon the man, not just in conversation. So I, it, it, there's also a need to, to listen for the husband, right? Obviously. So it's not as though the man is a box of, of words and commandments or some such nonsensical you know, pre-Victorian thing or Victorian thing really. Right? Um, no, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. It's more that at some point, the man has to actually engage what he believes about reality. Let's call that his religion. And he has to engage that with what he's going to do next for the whole family. And at some point, he should talk to his wife about that. First on a marriage, it'd be good before you're married, even better. We've done it on and off, but now I'm realizing its value. I'm not saying set up chairs and make your wife sit in the pew while you preach to her. I'm saying... Guys, you have a dream about ten years from now or twenty that should have Christianity in the picture. Have you told your wife how you're gonna get there? Are you trying? Did you give up? You wanna build a marriage? Get a goal? Have faith in the picture. Ah, can I do it? But Joshua. The second part, I'm not quite there yet. It's the uh, El. I'm going to share the whole thing with you. Might as well do it. Uh, uh, the El, a word, and then the final word in the Hebrew, Proverb 3, 5, is tisha'ein, which means to to lean upon something, to rest against a table or something like that, right? So, uh, uh, betat, trust uh, Yahweh, Joshua, the Lord. Uh, betat Yahweh, betat Joshua, Bakal with all. Livda, your heart, the al, and upon, and then the word I had memorized two hours ago and I don't have now, which is the word understanding. It's the word about you in the sentence. So to me, this is divinely ironic and hilarious that in memorizing a a, a, a Hebrew spell about how I'm going to give my life to Jesus, right? (laughs) That the word that I can't remember is my own understandings word. I find that beautiful, um, but it, I'm not going to tishayin it then, should I now? Should I tishayin upon the understanding of my Hebrew pronunciation? Should I tishayin upon the fact that I haven't memorized any Hebrew until now and that's crazy of me? I'm a pastor, what was I thinking? Should I should I tishayin upon the fact that I forgot stuff or that I, <laughs> I breathed egg today? I'm going to tishayin, I'm going to lean upon the proclamation the kerygma the gospel batat joshua yeah. Um, trust in yahweh no not a command proclamation it is finished he is risen batat joshua bakal, with all live die your hearts and heart there means whole it's not just the not just the beating chest but the whole of you enlightened and alive yes see what you did to me with your comments and questions good things happen when christians share the mutual consolation and convictions of the brethren the old ways of talking about stuff were pretty shakespeareanly cool let's see here i got to get us off of auto focus to come back my monster you are in my prayers holy spirit's voice while praying oh no say it ain't so i'm afraid of this question dear Repfisk, during this pandemic of covid 19 i found myself struggling in many ways one of them is simple praying I think we're all ever Christians being taught to pray right now. I hope we are. I, it's like, it's like a, an obstacle course for it. So yeah, you struggle with an obstacle course. You should. That's the point. It, it, the moment the obstacle course is easy. You're not, you're not playing anymore. The people who go out and do it cause it's fun. They're climbing the stuff, right? It, it, it's fun. Cause it's hard. And I just lost Evernote. Earth. It's fun. Cause it's hard. Um, and so you keep doing more of it because it is a discipline. We're so milk toast, we snowflakes. Yes. Um, but so so embrace the boundary, embrace the obstacle, the the struggle with praying. That is prayer. <laughs> the struggle with praying is prayer. The Holy Spirit will pray for you because you don't know how. And so he does it by then compelling you to read. I don't even know what I'm doing. And he's like, well, read the storms, you know, and then eventually he becomes the one who prays on your behalf. Not as one who operates a robot, but as one who inspires a living being. And this is pretty sweet stuff, so don't be too hard on yourself. I picked up a pamphlet, you say, that was published originally in 1983. Northwestern Publishing, that would be ELCA, and pre-ELCA though, uh, and has been repented all the way through at least 2010. Translation of Luther's Simple Way to Pray. I've heard good things about that. I kind of skimmed it once a long time ago. Uh, I came across a section on page 17 where Luther is writing about praying the second commandment. It goes like this. As I mentioned above in the Lord's Prayer, I encourage this also. If the Holy Spirit comes to you in the midst of such thoughts and begins to preach to your heart rich, illuminating, like this is um, enlightenment talk there, uh, illuminating thoughts, give him the opportunity. Then don't follow my method, but be quiet and listen to him who can do much better than you. Pay close attention and take notes of what he says. Thus you will discover, as David says, wonderful things in the law of God. How am I to understand this paragraph in light of Lutheran confessions and not from a charismatic inner voice type of understanding that we all have have to be cautious about and spoken against Luther, most of all speaking against it. Uh, This is puzzling to me, especially considering Lutheran's view on enthusiasts. Of course it is because what you're doing is you're reading into the equation, something Luther could never have said to begin with because it wasn't a movement. He would never, no one talked like that the way you're worried about then. So he had to mean something else. You know that right away. And it's, 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 It's a gimme. I I don't want to be a snothead. So, we, we moderns aren't good with paragraphs. You'll notice in my own writing, in an acknowledgement of this, I write a lot of one-sentence paragraphs. I rarely write more than a three-sentence paragraph. Rarely. Because we've lost it as a society. I'm not saying you personally can't. I'm saying we can't. I cannot expect... People to read paragraphs as a general rule of thumb the majority do not we have trouble with that but when you read the old theologians and when you read the new testament paragraphs are incredibly important because what a paragraph means even though the editors are the ones doing the paragraphing by the way but that doesn't mean that there aren't paragraphs as there are thoughts that are incomplete by themselves but need other thoughts with them to mean something right context you call it that whenever you see someone from before tv or before the internet, but but before TV, ending a paragraph with a Bible verse, that means they think everything they just said is what that verse says. So you should take that verse first now and re-understand everything that was in the paragraph that came before it with that verse's meaning. David says, wonderful things in the Torah Elohim. Now I haven't looked up what the participle, excuse me. Oh, is that right? No, 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 no. What the infinitive there would be for the in. So I so I don't is no 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 preposition. There we go. What the preposition would be for the in. So I don't know how to say it in Hebrew. Hmm. But but all that it's saying there is that there's like this good stuff in what God says. But then Where is this Torah? When we say Torah, and that's the word we use for what God says, is Torah spoken or is Torah written? Like this is so clear that the Hebrews would never have referred to Torah uh, as, as the traditions of the elders, even though they would point to the Torah to teach that there is a tradition of the elders, and I would counter them on that point, I think. But they distinguish between what God said that's written and what God said that is heard, passed on by tradition. And uh, in some ways, it was a very good thing to pass these things on by tradition. But by the time Jesus comes around, you notice that they don't care much about what's written and they care a lot about what's said. Okay, so well, let's just—I'm not trying to call you a Pharisee at all. But the grammatical mistake the Pharisees were making <laughs> uh, by a skip and a jump and a third degree of separation at least— <clears throat> is to see that Luther's talking about in the scriptures themselves. So if the Holy Spirit comes to you in the midst of thoughts on the Lord's Prayer, so you're, you're thinking about the scriptures, and he begins to priest your heart rich, illuminating thoughts, given the opportunity. If you start to think about what it all means, listen, what these words mean. Because these words of scripture are the truth. And if they begin to mean something to you, well, then you should trust, indeed, the Holy Spirit is preaching to you. Does this mean that you're a divine oracle and the one interpreter of this stuff, that your understanding is always correct? No, it doesn't mean that at all. But by all means, you should listen to the Word of God as it bounces around inside your head. In fact, what I'm advocating, personally, honestly, is your own discipline. As you set aside at least 10 minutes a day to sit down with a particular set of the Word of God, at least one, maybe your confirmation verse, and just think about it for 10 minutes. And you have all sorts of thoughts come. And if one of them happens to be another verse... From another passage in Scripture, you know who spoke that for sure? The Holy Spirit did. Only the Holy Spirit can to bring you deeper into the Enlightenment. So so don't harness Luther with our particular heretical battles of the day, which are really not heretical, it's paganism. It's just another form of paganism. uh, And that's why the Trinity is such a debate within their history. Ah, so what is he talking about? He's talking about meditating upon the Holy Scriptures and letting their growth as an understanding be to you God's promises in life and hope so that when you look back upon the Scriptures again, you find what you think there. I think that's a okay fine, don't you? I think you do. I think you do. So... Jeremiah says this, uh, would you unpack the word worship in spirit and in truth for us, please, particularly how the world views it, how the American evangelicals view it. This is like an old dogmatics, how the Lutherans view it and how we ought to view it. There are four parts to spirit and truth. Um, uh, What are the common misconceptions? How does scripture reorient our view of worship? All right. So, yeah, well, that's a good question. And, um, I just got, sorry. What, Brian? No money from you this morning? Um, (laughs) uh, Worship just by itself, without the spirit and truth thrown in, is its own problematic dynamic. And I'm almost at the point where I'm going to stop using the word. But I can't quite, because it's part of the vernacular of LCMS congregations. But I've been on a very slow, like, think chess, 25 moves ahead, gradual battle plan development war, Against the word worship, it's, it's a quiet war. it's not a war that tries to take ground, it just acknowledges where the ground has been abandoned and then builds there. <laughs> uh, so um but I don't build with the word worship ever because it's just so not the Bible's idea period I, I Just leave it at that there is something in the Bible. That once upon a time we could have called worship and used the word rightly, but at this point in history and the development of the English language, again, I went to school to be a grammarian, and it's my opinion, but it's my professional opinion, with a BA at least, uh, and a master's in effectively philosophy, you know? Uh, My my, my professional opinion is that um, the word worship is gone to us, and if we want to recapture what it truly means to praise God, it won't be by having people come to worship Him. Uh, It will neither be by having people come to divine service because that doesn't do it either. And so until we figure out what well, we're going to talk about, this assembling thing, without sounding like the Pentecostals, because the assemblies of God, that'd be a way to say church from God, not in um, the same way, but actually a better translation than church, because church and assembly, uh, yeah, everyone knows that assembly makes a lot more sense if you're trying to describe what people do when they get together. Nobody churches, except those weirdos, right? And and so then again, it's a foreign language to them. So how do we view worship? What is worship? Which one are we talking about in English before I answer the question? And we can't, you know, and in that way, then the, the word's not in the Bible the way I would have it. This is not uh, that you will worship in spirit and truth. I would, I would say do theology if I wanted to be, you know, hoity-toity about it. You will, they will do theology in spirit and truth. They will know God in spirit and truth. You will know God in spirit and truth. It's not really talking about worship per se. It's not really talking about when we get together for word and sacrament here at all. It really doesn't have any of the meaning. It has the life lived in faith. And in that way, that is the highest form of worship. And when we translate the praise of God that way, right? But again, worship's just been so confused to be more than praise. And yet all that praise is like when you go to praise and worship, like it's all praise and worship, right? Like like, like it's uh, the same thing. And so you don't have any of the rest of life. I would contend that uh, when, when, was it mom who before was talking about the struggle with prayer or was it somebody else? That's worship. If you're going to talk about the, the meat, right, salutary praise of God in your daily life. As opposed to having to go somewhere, put on clothes, give money in a plate, uh, sing on time and on tune, you know, follow a response, turn it to yawn, listen to the guy, you know. Um, that's not worship. Worship's believing. The only people on Sunday morning worshiping are those who are believing what's being said and saying it because it's true. Like they believe it. Thanks for the super chat. By the way, Ardith does what Brian Wolfmiller could not do on his behalf and gives me a super chat. So that Brian can say that little pamphlet. I mean, the spell book from Northwestern publishing house is great. Ardith says uh, very helpful. Thank you so uh, much uh, to that. So, um, cool stuff, beans and whatnot. Cool beans and stuff. Yes. So let me then answer your question in brief. We're going more than two hours a day. Um, let me ask your question in brief with the first definition, meaning so, so, so to worship means to, um, to come into the presence of a God by means of obeisance to him in order to receive from him on the basis of what you bring, which we don't do as Christians ever, but it's what the world does. That's what the word kind of means, even for Christians now. Hence my quiet war against it. Uh, How does the world view it? I just said how the world views it. It is obeisance to a power which you must serve to be blessed by. And so if my God is Waylon the Smith, mechanic of all mechanics, engineer of all engineers, scientist of all scientists, and I worship him, because I believe in science. Well, then I pay obeisance to him and believe I will be rewarded. Explains a lot, I think. Um, that's how the world views it. How American evangelicals view it the same way, unfortunately, and so they're trapped worshiping their God as if he were one of the others. And they're even out there trying to convince people he's just as cool as the club. He can be in the club, too, of all religions, and all that kind of stuff. Sarah T says, thank you. With a super chat. Appreciate it so much, Sarah. Uh, how the Lutherans view it. So again, yeah. So we don't, we don't have a way to view it anymore because our transition out of German, sadly. I mean, why didn't we have more translations sooner? What was the Pentecostal mission biblically spoken of that didn't happen in the Reformation times? Why didn't we send people to, to you know, when the Romans were to the Indians? We can ask all those questions. But the result is that we're stuck with, you know, all of our 500 years of thinking about gods in German, and now I and you mostly don't speak it or know it, but we're stuck with sort of what they did to distinguish and understand the categories, and so the categories we have are... What I said earlier, um, uh, divine service, which is the Mass is a far more succinct way to say it, but we don't like that word because it sounds Catholic. We do say the Mass in the Confession, so I don't have a problem with it. Um, the Mass uh, is the coming of God to us to give us things we don't deserve because He loves us on account of what Jesus has done for us, dying and rising. In fact, it is what Jesus has done for us, dying and rising, that is the very thing being given as a food for immortality, that is the divine God serving service us uh, like a waiter would, like a guy who would wrap a cloth around his uh, his waist and wash your feet. Right? Um, I I must have washed all of you, or you have no part. Take and eat all that kind of stuff. Same evening, mind you, um, all that going on. So that's that's one of the ways. That's the thing that we would call religion. And so when when I say the other thing is the world's worship. Yes, that is our worship, but our worship isn't worship. It isn't what we bring to God to get from Him. It's what God is just doing to us, undeservedly so, which is magisterially, both synonymous meanings of that, uh, uh, phenomenal, pondersome, earth-shattering, like literally more than once, life-changing all the time, every morning even. That's just the divine service part. And then we actually have a word, we, we might call it a praise, that would refer to a song specifically, just a song uh, which seeks to shout about the goodness of God. And we also have other songs that are not praise. We have laments, and laments are songs that mourn personal sin or, or per se um, uh, a past sadness and, and, and seeking comfort in the gospel. I mean, the Psalms are just filled with this kind of stuff. So, so that word of, of, of singing to God, right? Um, praise, uh, we do have that word, but see again, praise tied to worship, for most people is still tied to the idea that it's something you're bringing to God to get something from God. Your obedience to this holy power and here's what I gotta do. I gotta sing in harmony at the third stanza just right. And oh, there I feel him. Uh, hippies. <laughs> I mean, really, you know? Uh, I had the thought, I won't do it, I promise. I, I really promise. I had the thought. You know what? I mean, if we ever get the Lord's Supper back, and I was, I would have to be a charlatan, okay? So this whole thing, this whole little inner monologue here is the charlatan part. Don't, don't take this as what I would do. But it was like, oh, if someone could do that, that would work. Right? That, that was the whole thing. It was like a mechanical thought. If we ever get the Lord's Supper back, here in Illinois, where um, cannabis is legal, you could microdose your whole con- congregation so they left the Lord's Supper every week with a low level but non-noticeable high and they would all think it was God. And some evangelicals going to figure this out. Watch, I'm not parodying this. Why? Because they think you have to feel it. They don't think it's enough just to get the bread and wine. right? They view worship as a work they must participate in in order for it to be a benefit to them. And they've polluted even the word praise with that kind of nonsense. And so, sadly, Lutherans passive aggressive inbred pietistic nonsensical ballyhoo's as we are have not so much fought back against these words, but have just run away from them so that most confessional Lutherans don't talk about praising God much. Um, they will talk about the hymn of praise. It's right after the intro, right? So we'll, we'll go autistic on that. I don't, I'm don't. i not bashing it, that, by the way. Full understanding. Um, we should maybe think about, though, pastors, are we? Often. Think about it. Check it. It may not be the thing, but it might be the spectrum. And it may not be the spectrum, but it might be like how we behave as the LCMS to each other and to other people. And we should really watch ourselves on that one, guys. I'm talking to pastors on that one. Check it how you treat people. How do they hear you? We will talk about the hymn of praise, so we can teach you how we use the word praise. But sadly, again, the devil's ploy has worked on us, and do we just spontaneously praise? No. I I will confess, I found it quite odd when my wife began adopting—oh, Brian's going to love it—when my wife began adopting Brian's idea that we should say, praise the Lord, or thanks be to God, or "Hallelujah" more often in life, and just try to say it when good things happen. And she began doing it. I thought, that's kind of odd at first. But then it's caught on in the household. And um, the idea that we would just praise God randomly, right? Without having to get something for it. Or maybe because we already got something. <laughs> huh? So whereas the evangelical world <laughs> goes to praise and worship in order to get something, the Lutherans come praising because they already have something and then they're given more. It sounds like a parable. Go find it. Wink, wink. There is a parable. Uh, go find it, ponder it. Uh, Ryan uh, comes in with super chat. Uh, it says, so thank you for the myriad ways the hound of heaven brings his word into my life, even as I frustratingly busy myself trying to build damnation like a beaver. Yes, right. I feel that one. Um, thank you for you and your work here. Uh, appreciate that so much, Ryan. Um, good to see your name again as well. So I think, you know, how do we view this worship phenomena and problem? I I don't have an answer to this one yet, and I won't, I think, until I have a better word for closed communion. And whenever I figure out what I can just shout about fearlessly as closed communion, then we'll be able to roll from there into uh, this worship in spirit and truth thing, which is about your actual physical connection to the risen man, Jesus Christ, shared with me when we feast together at that one location so that we are His presence in this place, walking out of there. Yeah? And then to believe that that is light and salt for the enlightenment and purification of the entire world while we wait for the return that will show it to all be like visibly true as well as just spiritually inspirational. That's how we should view worship. You know, it's not even what you do when you go to the building, although the mass can only be had together, but... In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, I believe. And now I'm going to go pursue kindness. What else is it but to live in the presence of God? Why did the old word worship... Greek, letruo, to to fall down prostrate, to put your tongue on the dirt. So if you're mad that I'm like dissing worship, okay, let's go back. Let's get all the pews out. We'll do a bunch of uh, child's pose for most of the service. What do you say? You know, it might get some people to come in. People like yoga these days. We could actually worship. We could letruo. We could put our faces on the ground and pay obeisance like you would to a king. It's a life-lived believing. That's who you are. There's certain butler, right? I pre- pronounce it so poorly. Luther's last note. We are beggars. So, the, so, so worship, if, if I'm going to tell you what we should say with that word worship when we say it as Lutherans, we should not be referring to divine service, nor should we be referring to church. Away from, you know, when we gather as Christians, two or three, we're still the church. So don't don't call me a heretic for that one. But, but what we should be referring to is the life lived in a full and open knowledge of the resurrection of Jesus publicly and unafraid, and that every confession and every prayer and every thought, word, and deed that is bound and tied to the word of God and is then enlightening the world, that is your spiritual act of Let the reader understand that one as well. Thank you, Jeremiah, for the question. Mm, 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 mm. Pastor Fisk, I'm 100% certain that Mad Mondays meets 100% of my needs for the week. Oh, that's great feedback. Yay! Choice pickings, indeed. Well, you got to thank Frisbee the Hand and the Shadow Broker for all that they're doing. I am but the cream, the icing on that marvelous cake that is Mad Mondays. If you haven't signed up, you can in the links below to come out every Monday and give you everything you need except your dose of Wednesday whatnot. But if you need that, we all know you got bigger problems. So, um, uh, Brian. Uh, God be praised for those who can find their way through Wednesday, whatnot. Mad Mondays is mine. Thanks for the feedback on it. Um, On Good Friday, uh, Tammy says, you and your family have been in my prayers. May God strengthen you and bless you as you serve in such extraordinary times. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, Many pastors have found themselves in such unique situations yet he remains. His word is with us. Every one of us is the game, right? Uh, He just changed the code on us and it wasn't so bad, really if you think about the things that matter and, um, heck you get a second life. Why not have fun with this one? Right. I, you know, you're, you're a warrior in Zion's army. Um, thank you for the prayers. I, I believe it. You know, um, we're here waiting on the Lord. Thanks for waiting with us. Uh, our Easter Sunday. Uh, I once heard a pastor say that when we die, it means our sin has caught up to us. Well, that's fine. It's pithy. Uh, I would, we need to distinguish between dogma and poetry, Okay. Um, now, now the Psalms are mo- more dogma than dogma, right? and they're still poetry. But by and large, um, poetic license is is the ability to say something with the truth that doesn't necessarily have to always mean that truth. What dogma does as a confession? When you look at like our confessions, it's not that it's just they happen to write this; they tried to find ways to say it that everybody could agree to. They could all say the same thing. Like it's hard to say, well, that poem means this, and we're all like, "Yep, absolutely, that's what it means." So dogma is the church's history of writing down and pruning long enough that something got through that a lot of people could say, oh, that one's all right, right there. Uh, Small catechism, Osbert confession, that's kind of what these things are to us. Um, So uh, with that, (laughs) as a total tangent, uh, with that, you heard a pastor say when we die, it means our sin is cut up to us. I wouldn't want that phrase in our confessions. Okay? Because you could really do some damage with this phrase accidentally. But... In like a really esoteric, or um, you could think of it like as in a mystical or a magical way. Uh, it's kind of like we all got given a poison at conception, and the poison's got a ticking clock on it, and and it's it's like this micro magic you know, and nanobots that when the clock ticks off and, and whatever sets the clock off, it ticks off. It's like the fates cutting the string right off. They go and they decide, okay, right on now, heart attack right now. We're going to start this cancer here, whatever it is. They go and they start that whole thing. You know, that, 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 that bomb goes off that sin bomb of being descended from Adam. God says, now's the time clip. There it goes. Um, Can you see that as our sin catching up to us? Yes. But what I would hate for anybody to do is to think it's a result of their actual individual sins that by doing something different they could have lived longer or better because that's just a lie. Really, at the end of the day is all a gift from God and should you try to live longer and better? Yes. But when you get to the end are you allowed to rest on that? No. Remember Patat Joshua? Yeah? Yeah, yeah? Um, Not your own Tisha'in? Yeah? Uh, Or or, no, no. Tisha'in not al. Uh, Your understanding. Right? So... Um, don't read too much into the phrase and it's fine. It's quirky. Uh, yeah. Death, the wages of sin is death. So it's straight up that, uh, hello, Pastor Fisk. I want to send a quick message to you, to you. Thank you for the laughs today. You're welcome. My child who is always up comedy. Did we say comedy? My child who is always homeschooled gets stuck doing the same work. He was pre-virus sat trying to do his written math work while I kept snickering across the table. Anyhow, my real reason for shooting a reply is to thank you for without flesh. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for thanking me or just reading it to begin with. My book, Without Flesh, available wherever. Wait, Amazon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm about halfway through the book. It's been an incredible gift. Good. Uh, I, I feel I learned so much when I read Echo, and this book is equally excellent. Good. Uh, both have been an enormous help for me. And I have, uh, as I work through the catechism with Aiden as well, I'm excited to share with him what I'm learning when we sit down for that part of our lessons. Grace to you from Branson. Um, yeah, awesome. Love it. That's why they're there. Uh, I wrote them because I read things that I thought everyone needed to read. And I thought not everyone's going to go to seminary and learn to read legalese, you know, the special jargon. Um, So let's put it out there. And if it's hitting you, it's because it hit me so yeah god bless you as it hits you uh dear pastor fisk dust coming alive in words on pages is an answer to prayer which shall continue for you your hand the lords will be done uh the blurb this is that first bit of dust from the back end of the newsletter from a couple of weeks ago now the blurb is impressive the last three lines especially get the reader's brain firing wondering who are we and what compels them to say not today i could guess but i am keen for the story to tell me I have never experienced an aurora, but imagine it to be awful, taking one upwards out of the awfulness of this ugly world, which at present is wounding my soul, making it weep like John Lennon's guitar or Rev Fisk doing poetic comedy with theology in the middle of reading your letter. How embarrassing is that? Anyway, here's a very short review of a book I have not yet read. From the first impressions, this is Fisk's Dusk is a Brave Read. I love this. This is great. Uh, he takes us into a dystopian world that may be more like ours than we dare see. Uh, eagerly waiting for more, Lynn. Cool, and hopefully you've seen by now uh, 1.1, first chapter really uh came out last uh monday as the back end of the newsletter uh, chapter two set it's ready to go <clears throat> short chapters but uh, having a blast with this this is a lifelong dream so i'm glad it's something that you're finding value out of as well and again uh pastor fisk hats off to you whose hair is that <laughs> the one of the the meme if you saw the meme someone uh, talked about you know I'm letting my hair grow. My son's doing it. He's way ahead of me. So if, if my son's going to have long hair, I'm going to have long hair with him. I'm going to do it as kind of a hangover. Uh, mohawk, top knot, not sure what else yet kind of thing. Definitely going back to the surfer roots of California. Uh, remembering those times. Um, didn't do my, my mustache for you guys today because I was breathing egg instead. Um, so in making fun of that or, or being aware of just somewhere in the hat because it's just a mess right now uh, it, is someone made a meme that had a hat and dreadlocks and all this stuff for me and uh, it was kind of funny. So hats off to you whose hair is that? I don't know whoever did that. Um, I need to borrow someone's uh, uh, all I grow in is a clown's oh well actually that's kind of in if you do it right like my favorite thing is when I wake up in the morning and it's got the leftover so I got this really thin hair I mean it's not it's like it's like not thin like it's going away but it's like fine it won't do anything so I put this like wax in it it makes it all thick and like, and I can get it to like stand up like Frazier And I'm like, should I show the world? What do they, what do they think? It kind of looks cool. It's like, and you know, I, am a basketball fan. So I see these guys in basketball that have a different skin color and a different hair style than me. And they do some pretty sweet stuff with their hair. And I'm like, Oh, I can do it. I can do it. I can put like, I can put like bars in the side and make it spike and then top, knot the back and then put on a chazable and they really won't know what to do with me. But for the moment, I'm just wearing a hat, and I'm glad you got some love out of it. I'm glad you're aspiring to the wizardry level as well. Learn your, well, yeah, learn your first spell. Harry, where's your wand? Where's your wand, Harry? Uh, Wait on the Lord. That's all I can do, and you might as well smile while you do it. Uh, Patience, amen. Amen. Uh, Pursue kindness requires patience, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, There's another to see us through. That'd be our Lord. Uh, My husband's getting tested today. God's will be done. Yeah. And forgive us our trespasses. Deliver us from evil. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I am he who will sustain you. Amen. My purpose will stand and I will do all that I please. Isaiah 46. Amen. Learning to love space like outer space. I love your team's work too. Yeah. I love my team's work. Pray children for the team that is the Mad Mondays team that they never go away because as soon as one of those beautiful people slips up it's all coming crumbling down as a house of cards built upon the goodwill created by hope in the midst of the muck. This ain't me. This ain't you. This is us. This is Christianity. This is mad Christianity. They used to call it Lutheranism. Uh, glad to have you on board. Hey, I have ignored the sidebar. I apologize, except for the super chats, but of course you know someone's going to be going through with a fine tooth comb. That'd be frisbee be the hand. Pull out the stuff that well, maybe needs to be asked, answered in you know, a little more theology for next time. In the meantime, see, music breaks all that kind of thing. When would we have even done it today? We covered so much and we could because there is no rush and there is no chill when you're at the Saturday morning. Chill with Mad Christianity. Any announcements, revfist.com slash contact. I mean, I really am getting to most of what comes in one way or the other. So if you want a question answered, throw it in there if you really want it. Super chat, uh, the law of super chat. Thank you is the law of super chat. The Mad Mighty Networks is just there. Um, uh, ask if you care. Uh, Broken Without Echo. Of course, all those books that were mentioned earlier the patreon reality which is that this episode is the subscription engine for everything else that i do whether it be the conversation with brian last night which was exciting to me i finally was able to have a guest on and that's like that's last night was me practicing with the tools again toward having guests on here where they can come in and out quickly but i don't have that knowledge yet so last night i practiced with brian That'll be podcast material as well. Uh, We also are, uh, uh, I'm I'm scheduled to hang out with uh, Professor Pastor Kuntz again next week, and we'll have a similar kind of thing. I'm going to try to get him on the video if I can, uh, and whatnot. So all of that comes through the engine that is Patreon. Uh, Of course, the Super Chats uh, are bonuses uh, on on top of that. Mad Mondays, if you're not looking at Mad Mondays, uh, how do you even know how to navigate the world around you? Well, it's because you're baptized. So you got that. But this will be a bonus Like second level legendary weapon in available in your quiver every week, right? That that would be Mad Mondays. I I hope y'all enjoy the rest of your Saturday. I'm gonna endeavor. Well, it's sunny out there. I'm gonna endeavor to enjoy the outside. Got to take a walk with my family because I didn't yesterday because I was. I hate this. This is this is the other world. This is the Matrix. I was too busy. What does that mean? Now, granted, I was doing the show with Brian, so understandable timing, but still to make sure I get that walk in today, I'm gonna chat with my kids about the proverb I put on their mirror. I'm loving that project. Um, I'm going to probably play a video game. I may read a book. I'm building a cube. If you're an MGT fan, I had a cube and I realized, man, you were doing that wrong. And this next one, let's just say post COVID. If you ever are able to find, I don't know. We'll make a game of it. I'll make a game where you can win a game of cube with me. Somehow. That'd be fun. Four winners. That'd be interesting. What would happen? All that said, if you didn't know what cube is, don't, ma- don't matter, but Magic the Gathering fun card game. going to maybe do that today. Definitely going to continue talking with my beloved who has been such a treasure through all of this. If you have one of those at home, tell them so. Let them know that without them, this chaos would be more than you could bear. And, uh, well, dig some roots, but not, not as those who are going to put down buildings, but as those who are living in tents, in a dump filled with muck and fire and light and where the world will have to sing I still haven't found a cure for the sickness the song I got on repeat right now most that's a line haven't found a cure for the sickness why do I love it because every time she sings it I go I have don't wallow in the muck my friends rock on